Welcome, welcome, one and all. We got a fantastic matchup here for you today. In corner number one, wearing the khaki pants and a striped t-shirt, it's Mr. Rivers Cuomo. And in corner number two, it's, my God, it looks like the same exact man with a slightly pinkish hue. It's Rivers Cuomo. Two legends square off in today's Blue Album Battle. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Blue Album Battle, the podcast where we peer into the music of the 90s through a blue album tinted lens. But maybe we should say a pink tinted lens That's today, right. Chris. It's a special day. It really is. I could not be more excited. This is probably the most even matchup that we have ever had. This is arguably the reason we started this podcast. Kind of, yeah, yeah, with the hypothetical idea of what would it be like if we compared the two greatest Weezer albums of all time. That's right. And two of the best albums of the 90s. Agreed. And of course, today is September 24th, 2021, and it's the 25th anniversary of the release of Weezer's Pinkerton. How does that make you feel, age-wise? Oh, I always feel old. Always. I'm Chris the Elder. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, my voice your, is... Your, your bones are aching, your voice is cracking, yeah, yeah, <laughs> your joints I, feel inflamed. It's not great. I, 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 more than anything, I feel much older than the last time we did a battle, which was December of 2020. Man. Feels like a lifetime ago. It does. Back yeah. when we had a pandemic. Oh wait. Oh wait. Yeah. Right. Hey everybody. <laughs> but it's so nice to be back in the studio with you, Christopher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great to be with you too, Chris. Was this hard in terms of deciding which album is better? Yeah. Oh, this was damn near impossible. Yeah. Because obviously, you know, when we're looking at the different categories, it's like okay, same musicians, right? When we're looking at riffs and rhythm section, same singer. When we're talking about vocal performance, same lyricist. When we're talking yeah. about the quality of the the lyrics. All that being said, these two records are so damn different and respectable in their own uh, worlds. So this was very, very challenging. What did you think? Yeah, same band, same creative force and creative motor, but completely different aims. Absolutely. Right? Hence the kind of lukewarm or at least confounded reaction to Pinkerton upon its release. Mm -hmm. Yes. In retrospect, of course, it's been viewed with much more reverence. Absolutely, yeah. As really a seminal work of emo, alternative rock, whatever you want to call it. Right. That's what's so interesting, is within two years, the evolution that Rivers Cuomo went through. Yes, in his songwriting process, in his mentality, in his life, and his outlook on life, so, yeah. And I think you can factor in, too, the fact that Pinkerton is solo Cuomo the whole way. Yes. Blue is the product of kind of a mind meld mm -hmm. between Rivers Cuomo, Pat Wilson, a little bit of Jason Crosby. I was about to say, yeah. The spirit of Matt Sharp. Yeah. All and Rick Ocasek. I was about to say, yeah, Rick Ocasek, his, you know, his production design and view and outlook and, and grand scheme and big picture was, I think, had a huge impact yeah. on the Blue album. And so, whereas Pinkerton, fully self-produced, yep. no aid or anything from anyone, and it's like, all right, this is my sophomore work, I'm going to show how I feel right now, Yeah, and, and no one's going to help. And that has tripped up many a great artist in the past. Hasn't it, yeah. And I would say this is always in that conversation for like, and then there's sophomore records, like, you know what I mean? Pinkerton definitely falls into that equation, where it's like, it was not a success. At the time, right. It's, it's not, and even commercially, it's still, you know, it took 20 years for it to sell a million copies or something, like, especially relative to Blue. It wasn't even close. Right. Well, to I mean, Blue, Blue was just hit after hit after hit. 
yeah. you know, singles on singles and, and incredible radio play. And I had crisp a cycle and clean of like two and, years. Right, you know? exactly. And and Pinkerton is just not, it's not that kind of record. Right. Even when you search for like the singles, they don't really sound like singles. Right. You know? So it's just a different outlook, a different mentality that I think Rivers and the band had. But that being said, I think Rivers wanted to still be a huge band. Oh, you know, yeah. he, he wanted Weezer to be the biggest. I, I know, I especially like when he was writing Green, uh, he was like, I want... Well, but that's a direct response to the response to Pinkerton. Right. Enough responses in that response? One more, please. <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't be responsible. Um, what I love so much about Pinkerton and the spirit behind it is, yeah, an almost complete disregard for commercial potential. Mm-hmm. It's saying, what's more important to me right now is expressing these growing pains emotionally, artistically, creatively that Rivers was going through, yeah. you know? And he had enrolled at Harvard in the meantime. And so, of course, his mind is expanding in a lot of ways, yeah. you know? And he's had some serious relationships and some considerable failures in those relationships. No and, kidding. <laughs> and it's nice that that's what was dominating his mind at this time. Pinkerton, in its own way, is kind of a breakup record. Or, a, I mean, many of the songs are about the same, you know, person. Yeah. And Blue has basically none of that. Right, blue is just a uh, retrospective on on his life, and then a lot of you know, kind of just funny, goofy songs. Yeah. Whereas Pinkerton still has a lot of that goof factor, and we'll get more into it specifically in like lyrics, mm-hmm. um, and how he can talk about such serious things in such like a funny, tongue-in-cheek kind of way. But yeah, clearly experiencing you know a lot of heartbreak and pain, and and didn't want to hold back anything in this record. And you can't really point to another record in Weezer's entire output where there was a purer goal than Pinkerton. That's Meaning a good point. Meaning every, every other record had the aim of like, let's get on the radio, let's mm-hmm. be successful. Maybe the closest is like Maladroit. I suppose, but like so many songs on Maladroit don't really have a meaning. Like it's not emotional in any way, but I think it was also like, yeah, I mean, let's just not make another green album. Right. We have these songs, let's put out 13 of them and mm-hmm. <laughs> issue the other 50 and whatever. For sure. Um, U-Bate kind of had that, but also their aim there was an impure one, which is like, let's get back to the Weezer sound. For sure. White kind of capitalized on that essence, and Jake Sinclair certainly helped and, and brought about like a perfect distillation of that spirit in late period Weezer. Or it may end up being middle period Weezer for all we know. But, right. Um, and then OK Human is kind of like an, an artistic exercise, but not necessarily like, I just got to get these songs out, man. Yeah. But just, uh, okay, let me try writing some songs like this. And mm-hmm. that happened to work for us. Right. But just Pinkerton was like, I'm hurting. Physically, because of course he had that surgery to extend his leg. Yeah, yeah. Um, emotionally. And I just think that he was finally like, okay, let me make the most honest music I can make. Right. Because Say It Ain't So seemed to work. I don't, you know, like, yeah. I think he's like, I kind of got away with it. That's a big song. That's still the biggest song I think they have. And, and I have a student who was a listener, uh, JT, and uh, he went to Hell Omega and he was like, oh, when Say It Ain't So started, like, the stadium erupted. That's awesome. You know, still. It yeah, was like, I believe that's it. the song. I believe it. And I had a gig last night and I played, I actually dig it. Played it last night at really? the Cove. Yeah, because uh, we needed some extra songs. And I was like, oh, let's do Say It Ain't So. I just played it at a wedding the week before. Mm-hmm. And I can't say it slayed last night, but when I played it at the wedding the week before, it was like, whew, heads turned. You felt like a gust really? of air. Yeah. That's so great. At a wedding. Interesting. It was a cool wedding. <laughs> like, we Very played cool. some cool shit. But yeah, that, that was like one that's like, yep, without fail. That goes. We did a sequence, by the way. Say It Ain't So, 
into Don't Let Me Down by the Beatles, mm. into Where Is My Mind by the Pixies. Wow. Because they all kind of start and end very similarly. Uh-huh. Same keys, same... And, uh, oh, man, it was just a hell of a sequence. That's awesome. The band I was in is... We're not a wedding band. We played a wedding, you know? Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, man, we took full advantage. But we'll see if Pinkerton's purity of spirit and intent can take advantage in this battle against our beloved Blue. What do you say? Let's rock and roll. Round one. Opening track. No, no, no. You are not listening to Wee's Talk and Wee's to Thee. This is still Blue Album Battle. Do you ever have that where, like, any time this Tiger Sex actually comes on and, like, a shuffle or something, you're like, how did our podcast get into the mix? Yeah, I'm just expecting to hear our annoying voices. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And then we hear, you know, a slightly less annoying voice. I think we dive right into arguably the hardest category. It was for me. This was very challenging. Top three hardest to decide. Yeah, top three or four, definitely. You have two songs that we love. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Yeah, t- probably top 10, 15 Weezer songs ever yeah. would be both of these songs. Plus, you have arguably their two best openers ever. Yes. By Weezer or anyone. Right. Really, when mm-hmm. you think about it, as far as setting the stage and setting the template for the record that follows, you can't find two better openers. I agree. Yeah, they, they both certainly set the stage for, for their respective records, 100%. There's nothing better than that. I definitely have such a soft spot in my heart for both of these songs. I love listening to both songs. Both songs get me excited to listen to the record ahead. And you know what it really was that helped me come to the decision, Chris, was what is the point of an opening track other than to set the stage? It's to introduce you to the record, but it's also to hook you in and make you want to keep listening. Yeah. And so I thought back, because I distinctly remember the first time I heard Jonas yeah. in sequence, and I distinctly remember the first time I heard Tide of Sex in sequence. This was like two years ago or something? Uh, okay, fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I was late to the Weezer game, but still. Um, thinking back to those, those distinct memories, and not to be confused with the opening track memories, which arguably would be the third best opener. In Number Weezer's. three with a bullet. Yeah, definitely. I remember hearing Jonas, and I was just like, yes, this is, this is so me. This is so my style. This yeah. is everything I want in a band and an opener and, and rock music, rock pop music, I guess. And I just was so excited to keep listening to the record. And I listened to Blue, and I guess this is all contextual, right? I was listening to Blue so much, and I was like, Chris, what's the next best Weezer record to listen to? And you're like, well, you have to listen to Pinkerton, obviously. I said, okay. And then I put on Tired of Sex, and I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I was pretty much like everyone else. You were like everyone in the 90s. Right, exactly. Just, you know, 10, 15 years late. (laughs) And uh, I still remember just like putting it on in my car and I was like, 
this is not at all what I expected. I can't believe this is Weezer. Yeah. And I was not excited to listen to Pinkerton after. And so I'm pretty much going to base my decision based on that. Sure. And give it to, to Blue and Jonas. But it's so different in, in hindsight because I was putting on the record this morning as I was just get doing my, my morning routine. And God damn. Working out, lifting weights, pumping uh-huh. iron. Mm-hmm, yeah, usually. Getting what a I sweat do. on. Absolutely, every day, every morning after I ran my 20-mile run. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, I, I was just like, fucking A, Tired of Sex is incredible. Oh, it's so good. And so I almost good. like went back on my decision, almost. I, I had to stick to it because I, I feel like it's so important to set the stage and, and pull you in and make you want to listen. And I guess for me, Jonas just did a superior job at the time. But then in context, it's, it's almost a toss-up. It's a draw. Yeah. I feel like based on my mood, I, I would change my mind. I think what you just exercised there, though, is something that like, I and, and I think everyone can learn from is remembering that initial response to a thing. Mm-hmm. Because, man, especially with, uh, with albums like these and songs you hear so many times, both by your own doing, pressing play on a record, a CD, your phone, whatever. Or and just in the world. Play, yeah. yeah. Or on this podcast, if you listen to this podcast in the Weez Talking Weez podcast, you just hear these songs a lot and you really do take them for granted. Yeah. Or you associate them with different things. Then how does this make me feel? Right. And how did I feel when I first heard it? Mm-hmm. Trouble for me in this regard is I love both of these off the bat. Uh, I will always have a nostalgic feeling about Jonas because Blue Album was one of the first 10 albums I ever owned. And I've listened to that song so many times. I've played it so many times. It's so important to me. And I think it's one of the best Weezer songs without fail. But I love Tired of Sex the first moment I heard it. We use it as our theme song for right. Weeze Talking Weeze because I love it. Exactly. I didn't even run your, that by you. Yeah, exactly. I remember sitting down for the first record, so you and you were like, yeah, so I chose Tired of Sex. That's cool with you, right? I was like, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, and I got a great tagline. <laughs> but it was just like, it, I just think it's a great opener, and that counting. And, mm-hmm. and of course, talk about associations. Now when I hear that, 100%. Yeah. I'm, now I'm just thinking of our show and it makes me happy. Yeah. Absolutely. Not that I love every episode of our show, but I love that we have this show. And exactly. It's, it's been it a part of our lives. It makes me think of you. Yeah. Like it just, with you. it just brings joy and the people we've met through the shows. And, uh, you know, absolutely. So there's so much baggage in a way surrounding these mm. songs. So what I had to do was say, Se- did you have to try to separate? Yes, I need to intellectualize this. And of course, that's what this exercise this show is all about because we're both superior intellectuals or geeks i i don't know either way we're superior geeks that's for sure tomato I tomato that. i mean yeah oh god so i, I mean just... let's break it down though lyrically right i'm tired so tired i'm tired of having sex that's one of the best lyrical openings to any record ever as far as i'm concerned talk about a thesis statement yeah it certainly knocks the socks Grabber. off you're just like wait what yeah and things like that i've talked about it in the past but like that means the world to me opening strong exactly a song and even better a record you know so i just think that's great and what i think about tired of sex is that it just delivers on its thesis so well yeah yeah agreed right lyrically speaking and of course rivers vocal delivery oh, man. of that song mm-hmm. great solo yeah like but Probably even just talking lyrics, because okay, I okay, definitely cool. want to get to the music. I think that's really important. The thing with My Name is Jonas is, I mean, I know all the words to it. Right. I still don't know really what the hell he's talking about. Yeah, right? What is, There's who, even words that I'm like, wait, what is he saying there? Who what is, is Weepeel? What, what yeah, is, who's Jonas? Who is Weepeel? Yeah. I do think that, you know, there's some confounding lines like, you know, which you take it out of context and you just say it. The driver said, hey, man, we go all the way. Of course we were willing to pay. Yeah. Like, what the hell? 
does that mean? Yeah. It's ridiculous. The workers are going home. I know this is kind of describing a job site and there's a reference to a foreman and da-da, but still it's like this is an empty song lyrically. lyrically. Yes. It's charming as hell. I love the words, mm-hmm. but they don't mean anything and they yeah. don't mean anything to me. So lyrically, got to go with tired of sex. Turn to the music. Jonas has the iconic Cropper Pent arpeggio, of course, like one of the great things in Weezer's music right there. But Tired of Sex has Sharp's bass line, mm-hmm. which also you hear that. It's very distinctive. I don't think it's as well known as Jonas. No, certainly not. But it's arguably just as effective within this song. Yeah. And I love it at the end, too. Like right after the breakdown, the boom. Oh, my God. It's like a count in oh, with a glissando. Yeah, it's incredible. Oh, my God. I love, I, we'll talk more about the rhythm section, but I, oh, I for sure. love his bass tone in, in Pinkerton. Oof. Absolutely incredible. Out of this world. Bring in the electrocomp monophonic synthesizer line. Another like, okay, this is a new sound. I know they use some synth on blue, but just the kind of just the this tone is of so it. So in your face. Yes. And it's so cool because they never use it again in the record. I know, isn't that fun? Well, Get You, I think, has some of it, like I blended in. Mm. But yeah, no, it's true. You know so what I mean? Like it, it never you never hear another melody played on that instrument, which is really surprising. Right. You know, they were they were pretty um sparse and and, and decisive in how they used it. Sparse, like the monophonic synthesizer they were playing. Precisely. Easy for me to say. Add to that one of River's most passionate guitar solos of all time. Agreed. Fiery. I'm very glad you brought it up. And the tried and true halftime coda. Musically, it's really it's tough a to argue. Song, yeah, I got to give it to Tired of Sex. Love it, love it. I think you made a great decision. Don't question you whatsoever. I'm shocked. I'm happy to hear that because I don't recall you having nearly as much affection for Tired of Sex as I do. I don't know. There was something. It was really interesting. You said that it was something about listening to it this morning, uh, and I was just like, God damn, this song is good. Yeah, especially yeah, all the aspects you just brought up, like you know, Matt Sharp, like the whole band yeah. is on ten. Like they are all maxed out to oh their their full potential in this in this song, and uh, to maximize this discussion and and the potential of this discussion, we're adding in a wrinkle to this battle. We reached out to you, the listeners, on Instagram on our story and uh, posed every category up to you all, and just to see where you were at. You know, not to influence our take or anything. In fact, I'm sure Chris never looked at these. Is that true? I didn't even know you did this. Yeah. <laughs> What, uh, did you get a lot of responses? We got a decent amount of responses. You know, we don't really have that big an Instagram uh, following. Not really. We got a lot of nice insight. And basically it was round one, Jonas versus sex. Who wins and why? Mm -hmm. And people respond. So part of this will be a lot of Chrissy guess this. Oh boy. Who do you think won? Sex or Jonas among our listeners? And Uh, was it close? Among our listeners, I'm going to say tired of sex won, but it was close. Very close. Very, very close. Like 53 47, like very close. Oh, wow. And, and, and some of you all, wonderful insight here. Let, let's share some of this. Sam Halis, he voted sex, calling it a sonic manifesto explosion. I, that's a great that's word. That's a great way to put it. I love it. Sean Dammit went with Jonas by a millimeter, saying it was a better vocal melody. Can't uh, argue with uh, yes, that. Yes, 100%. Cam Wayne Carlson says, while I love Tired of Sex, Jonas was the first song I'd ever heard by them. So... 
Yep. There you go. I'm Boom. W- yeah. Right Emotion. there with me. Gabe Zero went with Jonas because of the opening, the unique harmonica solo, right? Yep. yep. Cool. And the workers are going home section, which is just mm-hmm. such a glorious section, especially yeah. live. As, as pointless as those lyrics are. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember freaking out when we went and saw them in Albany and, and hearing them open the, the concert with that and just screaming that. So I freaked out because Bell couldn't play the goddamn arpeggio. <laughs> I'm just joking. It's a great moment. Mm-hmm. Live and otherwise. Yeah. Thanks, Jason. Uh, listener Dave called Jonas a landmark song of the 90s and one of the best non-single songs of the decade. Yeah. How many times have we said that? Like, right. Agreed. Totally. It's a hit. That was never a hit. I know. Uh, and lastly, Boy Named Goon. Goon <laughs> went Jonas 100% and thinks no other one would have been a better opener for Pinkerton. Christopher, your thoughts. I love Boy Named Goon, but no other one is the opener. I, I know. I, don't, I, don't I, know. I certainly disagree with that, unfortunately. But And I love no other one. Right. That's a great one. Yeah. They're all great. <laughs> but yeah. Interesting choice. Interesting Goon. choice. Um, speaking of songs we love, we have a 1-1 tie going into round two. Heart songs. Round two, heart songs. Yeah, what he just said. (laughs) Sorry, announcer guy, I didn't mean to preempt you there. Yeah, what the hell? He (laughs) has a job. And we should point out, too, and we'll talk more about this perhaps in sequencing and arranging, but the sequence of Pinkerton was determined by the order in which songs were written. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. It just so happens that Tired of Sex was the earliest song written. It was written back, actually, at the time of Blue, like 94-ish. So he was already getting a decent amount of strange even before. No kidding. Yeah. He was famous. Good for him. (laughs) (laughs) Well, heart songs. This is interesting. We have 10 on each record. Mm -hmm. I think we're like knocking on the door of a tie here. I don't know. I don't know what's about to happen. Yeah, yeah. This is tough. So I, I, for those of our our loyal listeners, I don't know if anyone has both of our heart songs memorized, but I do. in, In the past, I've had seven on blue, and I went back and I really thought super hard about it, and I changed the songs on blue that are my heart songs. Oh, my goodness. But there's still seven, so it's relevant. Okay. <laughs> but Surf Wax yeah. has always been in it, and I was like, you know what? Surf Wax really is not as good as n- no one else. Wow. And I forgot how much I just love that song. Mm-hmm. And so I basically changed those. So my heart songs on Blue are My Name is Jonas, No One Else, World Has Turned and Left Me Here, Buddy Holly, Sweater Song, Say It Ain't So, and A Holiday. So Surf Wax is out. No one else is in. I still love that you think no one else is a better song than Only in Dreams. Yeah, I really do. <laughs> is that funny? I really do. Well, I think it's because, uh, well, you're a misogynist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hate women. Hate them. Can't <laughs> They're the worst. Can't stand them. <laughs> Can't stand you. Okay, still seven out of ten. Yeah, very high percentage. If I had to guess, mm-hmm. and a little Chrissy guessed this on my own, Yeah, Pinkerton's coming in below that. You are right. You want me to guess the number? Yeah. Five. I did have six. Okay. I did have six. Yeah. This was, and I was very, very, very uh, diligent mm. and, and, and uh, tried to be as decisive as possible. You have a very discerning ear. Indeed. Yeah. Much like my palate. Yes. Um, you have a nose for Weezer. Mm. <laughs> it smells like sex. Yeah. Smell you on my hand for days. <laughs> God, that's a rough Such a line. Vile that's, line. A, that's a rough line. Anyway, uh, okay, so six songs from from Pinkerton: "Tired of Sex," "Why Bother," "Across the Sea," "Good Life," "El Scorcho," and you're gonna like this one. Oh, I love it, "Butterfly." Oh, even though it sounds bad. Yep. <laughs> I'm very, that's a cool list. Yeah, for sure. I think they're probably the you know 
apart from uh, tired of sex, like the the singliest, or I guess butterfly, um, the poppiest, you know, right. the most radio listener friendly, I suppose. But the, I think they all have the the hookiest choruses and yeah. very good sing along value and every, everything. Although, like, minus Pink Triangle, you know, Pink Triangle would have fit in there too, but you just right. I just I, it's just not as high of a caliber yeah. as as the other six. Yeah. Um, that being said. In in hi- or I shouldn't say necessarily in hindsight, but like looking at it right now, yeah. The amount, even though there's less songs, ah. I feel like my love for the songs on Pinkerton individually is higher, yeah. than almost any of the ones on Blue, with the exception of like "Say It Ain't So" and probably "My Name Is Jonas" and, and "The World Has Turned." Like those would, yeah, those would be the top three on Blue. It's if, a passionate record, right? It demands passionate response. Yeah, agreed. Like, yeah. I, I uh, man, I love them all. Like, Across the Sea, absolutely incredible. Good Life and Why Bother, both so fucking catchy. And yeah. El Scorcho is like one of the best sing-alongs of, of all, time. all time. So, yeah, it, 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 I wish I could make them a tie. But, you know, we're going strictly objective, strictly based on percentage. Seven out of 10 versus six out of 10. Got to give my point to Blue. Okay. Two Blue points for you so far. I know, which still feels, I, I honestly... It's making me feel weird. <laughs> <laughs> Just like Pinkerton does, so it's all good. <laughs> good point. Um, so, of course, my heart song number for Blue is six. Mm-hmm. My name is Jonas. The world has turned and left me here. Buddy Holly, say it ain't so. Holiday and only in dreams. Yeah. Did I leave anything out? No. I wasn't reading it, so <laughs> I think that was right. I have to say, I kind of reevaluated this week, too, after listening a lot to both of these records. I say a lot. I mean... I listened to Blue once. I listened to Pinkerton like twice. I put it on Shuffle once, both records together on Shuffle. Oh, that's to, fun. Just for the experience. Yeah, totally. See how they sound. That's always together. how I do for, for I know. Blue Album Battle. So. Yeah, it was kind of fun. It's yeah. a hell of a playlist. I mean. it, it certainly, yeah. <laughs> but um, there was one song on Blue that I thought, God, I'm not going to change the number. I'm going to keep it how it is. But it was like, how is this not a heart song? I, I've been a fool because I fell victim to that thing that you did not fall victim to with My Name is Jonas. What is the song? That I heard that I said, I'm an, I'm an idiot. This is a song I love. For not having on your list? Yeah. Well, it can't be. You, you already said Buddy Holly, right? That's always been one. Yeah. And you already say Holiday and say it ain't so. Is it no one else? I don't know. It's Sweater Song. What? How have you? My, Man, well, you, I, <laughs> I love Sweater Song, and it's historically a song that I've played live more than most any other song ever. I know, but when we used to talk about it, it you was would my al- black album pick when we talked e- exactly, about it. Exactly. Because I was burnt out. Damn. And I thought it's just kind of stupid. But I'll tell you. It was you your what. don't speak. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I didn't feel strongly about it. I wasn't like, no, I hate this song. No, it was just like, I got to pick one because we had to pick one because we're mm-hmm. idiots and we set up that stipulation. So you added Sweater Song back in. I, I'm not adding it in, but I'll just say when I listened to it this week on a drive, I said, God damn, that ending. Mm. And the crazy psychedelia of the actual like fade out and stuff. I go, this is if this was on a Weezer record today, if that was on Van Weezer, that would be our number one song Easily. without hesitation. Easily. And yet it was my black album. Like, it's ridiculous. It's a spoil of uh, riches. Yeah, Fine. exactly. Yeah, yeah. I didn't worry. I was like, what did I just spoil? <laughs> our Van Weezer episode? <laughs> no. Available now on Weezer Talking Weezer. To the. <laughs> But yeah, I was like, God, that's pretty stupid and short-sighted. I'm not going to change the number because I don't want to influence our scores from the past. It's still my heart song number six. But boy, I love that song. 
do you think it could possibly overtake another one? Not really. I mean, of course, I, I did consider that because I was like, oh, maybe I just trade out. Like you did. It's so funny that you had the same kind of experience. Yeah. I was just looking songs. at the list. I was like, no one else is so much better uh, than Surf Wax. Yeah. What am I thinking? I will say, though, Surf Wax live. I, I, I would never know. Oh, you, they didn't play it at that show. They're right. They played no. it in the, in, the, in the garage. In the garage. That's a black album selection. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, it kind of slips through the it's cracks. Still not a, a skip fob, but, but by far, I think, in the garage, by most people's standards, would be right. the, the least. Right. That would be 10 of, of 10. I think what I, what I like about uh, In the Garage is the specificity and the honesty of it. Agreed. And yeah, I think and that's it, why I still love at it At least so has much. that going for it, even though it just kind Musically, of feels slight. Yeah, and I always hate how garage becomes a one-syllable word. Garage. Garage. Yeah, garage. Oh, man, he's a garage. <laughs> that does sound like an insult. You know what? We were joking around. This is totally irrelevant, but you know what the greatest insult to anyone is? It's like bro to the max, like when you're insulting oh. someone. It's jabroni. Oh, I love jabroni. That's a rock. <laughs> That's a rock term. It's a so, Dwayne the Rock Johnson term. Oh, really? Yeah. He's the one who popularized it, I think. Are you serious? Yeah, like I, when he was fighting in WWE and all that? When he was fighting in WWE. Wow. Yep. Yeah, ninety-seven. He's when like, he Get turned over heel, your jabroni. He, yeah, he came back from a knee injury, he, and uh, and he turned heel because people were yelling, "Die, Rocky, die!" They didn't like him. He was being pushed as a babyface, mm. and and the crowd was like, "Fuck this guy!" Damn. Got injured, people cheered, they were happy. Came back, like how did he actually get later. injured? Yeah. Oh wow! It, and it was the best thing that could happen for his career because he was like a talented guy, good-looking guy, great body, all that I mean, stuff. Clearly, but, look at him now. Oh my god! I mean. You would never have pegged him for what he became. I know. But right? when he came back and turned heel and just started destroying the crowd, people loved him more than ever. Because mm. they were like, I love when this guy talks shit at me. <laughs> but he would say, you know, shut your mouth, jabroni, and all that business. Yeah. Oh, shit. I always learned it from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, because they would funny. use it all the time. Yeah, they were big Attitude Era WWE fans, I think. I w- that makes sense. <laughs> it really does, honestly. Getting back to our battle. Right. Six heart songs for blue. Mm-hmm. You want to do a Chrissy guess this? How many heart songs do I have on Pinkerton? Challenging, but I want to say it's seven. You're right on, my friend. Yes. Okay. Can I guess them? You want to guess the ones that aren't heart songs? The ones that are not heart yes. songs. Okay. And then I'll articulate the ones I chose, of course. Okay. Um, sorry, I need to go to Spotify. He's looking at the track. He always messes up what songs are on green in Pinkerton. So he's just, yeah, they're just so damn similar. He's wearing a green t-shirt today, too. Oh, look at that. But more of a minty green. <laughs> it is minty. It's not, a, not quite a green album green. Okay. I'm pretty sure I know two of them. That I did not choose. That you did not choose for your... You know one for sure. Pink Triangle. Not on the list. Love it. it. Yeah, right. Is Get You another one that is not on the list? Correct. Okay. I that, love it. Right, right. Okay, so... Obviously, Tired of Sex is on the list. Oh, yeah. Obviously, Across the Sea. Obviously, El Scorcho. Obviously, Falling for You. Of course, I, that's probably your number one. And then... What is number one? Falling for You. It's not even on my list. Are you serious? Yeah, I don't love that song. <laughs> love. I'm talking about love. My mind is blown. My mind is blown. You know what? It's Well, it's like one of those things. Intellectually, deep admiration, deep affection. It's probably the most complex song he's ever written. Yeah. Harmonically. Yeah. It. Watch my YouTube video to find yeah, out exactly. he's talking he's on YouTube. I don't love listening to it, and I don't love the chorus. In mm. fact, I don't like the chorus. Ooh. And that was all the more strengthened by the live OK Human with Strings concert that we watched together. Oh, and he plays it. And they played it with because it was like, let's do one of our complex songs with the orchestra. Right, right. And without the dynamic passion and intensity 
of the distorted guitars and the heavy drums, you go, this doesn't hold up as a melody. This doesn't hold up as a piece of songwriting in the chorus. The arrangement's incredible. The craft is incredible. Mm. But just when you go like, cool, but do I want to listen to it all the time? Well, yes, because in the grand scheme of music, yes. But in the grand scheme of this record, it's not one of my favorite songs. Wow, I'm so surprised. I figured that would basically be your number one. No, the part of the reason I made that video was to get inside it and to get what everyone else loved about it. Mm. Even my, my dear friend Andy Hopkins, great Weezer fan, that was always his favorite song. And I respect the hell out of his taste. And I always thought, really? Her? <laughs> you know? For sure. And so that so was. So I'm part- so surprised why you've never watched Game of Thrones. Mm. Everyone loves that show. I know. Well, everyone disliked the ending, so in a way, I was prescient. Well, no one likes the ending of Sopranos. No one likes the ending of every good show, Lost. Every good show is a shitty ending. Well, I haven't watched any of those either. Well. Let's think. Okay. So, my list, just to clarify for you and and the listeners, Tired of Sex, No Other One, Why Bother, Mm -hmm. Across the Sea, Good Life, El Scorcho, and of course, Butterfly. So, that's my seven. Great list. It's a solid list, so that's another point for Pinkerton for me. So I have two Pinkertons. You have two blue albums. Let's see this, what our... Oh, this hurts me because now it seems like I'm just like a blue album fanboy. He's a little not, boy blue. Uh, no. <laughs> it's cool, though, that we are... are my overlap... <laughs> that was stupid. I'm going to keep going as if that didn't happen. Uh, my heart songs and your heart songs are full overlap. Yeah. We don't, we, with the exception of your, your additional... Uh, whatchamacallit? Whatever... What's the extra one that you have that I don't? No one else. No one else. Yeah. No, no other one. Yes. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> that was confusing. I always confuse those two titles. I agreed. Yeah, absolutely. Because I'm an ignoramus. At least you're not a... Ig- Never mind. <laughs> Ignominious? Ig- I was going to say something stupid. <laughs> I'm really disappointed you didn't. You always leave that to me. I really do. It'd be helpful if you balance it out a little. Okay. Ignoranus. <laughs> there you go. All right. You happy now? I don't know shit about anuses. Ain't mm. I? Is that act- no? That can't be the plural. Well, it ends with a U.S. Holy fungus shit! Cacti, yeah, fungus cacti, fungi, cacti, ani. Look at all them ani. It certainly checks out. I don't know when you'd ever have to use that phrase in context. My buddy Savolsky has one of the. But you know, you would say if you have to pee, you say I got to go drain the main vein. Unfortunately, sure. And he would say if he had to shit, he would say I have to drain the main ain. Oh, so, which is so funny. That's to me. disgusting. That is so because there is no other ain. <laughs> well, what other veins? Oh, there's lots of veins. Your body is full of veins, Chris. <laughs> but we have but one ain. Main. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> this is a stupid My conversation. God, get us out of here. Well, the listeners can get us out of here because mm, I want to hear. Thank God. <laughs> what they had to say. If you had to guess, Blue or Pinkerton, which one has more heart songs from our listeners? I'm gonna. Mm, this is actually a tough one because last one I, I I felt pretty confident that Tired of Sex would would beat out Jonas for opening track, but I feel like based on the quality of of both records, I'm gonna say Blue has more heart songs for most people. Correct, Mundo. Yes, uh, a little wider margin than, than two for, two for two on Chris. You guess this? Yeah, you're by all the over way, it. You're that's all over very it. surprising, and I'm very happy. Uh, our friend LJB. 2011 she says this is like trying to pick who is your favorite child like mm. which album which songs do i love well, the that's most? pretty easy usually you have one child who sucks compared to the rest so. that's right it's i think it's easier to say your least favorite child oh fuck that's a good point <laughs> <laughs> jesus um not too many listeners actually gave us an actual number but it generally seemed very close mm. it'll be more interesting talking about skip fa because they named some specific songs that, yeah. that arose that's really fun but uh 
2-2 tie. We knew it would be close, and yeah. it's not letting us down here as we move into round three. Round three. Lyrics. Gotta say, challenging category, but one of the easier ones, I think. All ten categories were certainly a challenge, but I have to say, there were like two or three where I was just like, yep, I know, I know. Yeah. Like before even starting to like think about sure. it. Um, whereas some are still basically undecided and I'm going to make my decision in the moment. Mm-hmm. This is not one of them. I have my decision for sure. But I think at this time, I think Rivers was, in his own way, he's got this yin and yang, right? He he can state his case very simply or have a very tongue-in-cheek way of talking about a very serious issue so that it doesn't come off as too serious. He can be like a little funny, but then at the same time, he'll say these these funny statements that have so much gravity but you're just like why the hell would you ever say that like holy sweet goddamn like you know what i mean like i find that one of the greatest lyrics in pinkerton yeah um because yeah it's just it's just a stupid funny way like whoever says that and then same thing what's with these homies dissing my girl yeah you know that's so stupid but at the same time you're like yeah what's up with these assholes talking shit what is up with these homies (laughs) why do they have a front with me <laughs> you know it's like no one talks like that except rivers cuomo yeah. in and i'm sure he doesn't talk like this in life either right you know this is just him being, we know he doesn't like people who say like too much that we can discern from, the, from well he does day. get infatuated with them all the same crazy right yeah um all that being said i find the the lyrics this is this is challenging because i feel as though the lyrics in Pinkerton are more heartfelt, they're more honest, they're more raw, they're more emotional, they're more painful, and, and oftentimes more funny when they need to be. Mm. But the, the cringe factor in Pinkerton is so much higher. And in certain songs like Across the Sea, like that song is pretty gross in, in hindsight. It, it definitely makes me feel, uh, I don't know, just... Ugh. It makes me feel weird. Yeah, um, I think it has that effect on a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. And especially like um, from the second verse of Pink Triangle when he says, when I found a good old-fashioned girl, then she puts a smile on my face. Everyone's a little queer. Oh, can't she just be a little straight? Like that is, um, that's like, that's <laughs> Talk on, about a little straight. That was the straightest reading of a Yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, but I like, loved it. That's borderline unacceptable. I just, you know, in hindsight, right? So, like, with cancel culture now, like, that seems, like, almost, you know, not cancelable. He's not being a bigot or anything. But at the same time, it's like, who are you to say? And I get he's literally trying to be tongue-in-cheek because, like, especially in the 90s, he's like, oh, everyone's a little gay, right? Yeah. Um, Well, he also says, she would never go with me if I were the last girl on earth. Right, so then he's... Which is great. It's all playful and self-deprecating. Right, in that way, yeah. He's like, I'm not trying to make you straight. I'm not, you know, all that because it's like, you wouldn't like me even if I was your type. Um, I think there's nuance, you know? But I think at face value, there's probably, what, a half dozen lyrics on Pinkerton that you go like, well, we really shouldn't have said that. Or he wouldn't say that today. Or, you Mm, know what I mean? Right, yeah. But to me, I'll take honest, unbridled clarity and playfulness and whatever from an artist any day over guarded generic stylings you know 100 percent. yes i mean i think pinkerton's whiny and i think pinkerton plays fast and loose with the line of decency yeah way more than blue oh absolutely but in order to make great music 
and I think blues great music, but in order to make like a great statement, a grand statement, an honest statement, you kind of have to do that sometimes. Absolutely, because none of us are perfect. None of us are 100% politically correct. You know, yeah. we all have wants and desires and yeah. Yeah, I, and I, I would I, kill I love for the warts and all music from Rivers right now. Mm. Warts and all, like be ugly. Yeah, he hasn't done it in a long time. Right. So to me it's 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 a great gift and a great advantage of Pinkerton with regards to Pinkerton versus Blue on a lyrical front. So I'm getting the sense that Little Boy Blue strikes again here for you. No, no way. Oh, okay. okay. Not even close. Okay. It's not even it's close. Because it felt like where you were heading. No, I just wanted to bring attention to the fact that, that it is pretty cringeworthy and has not necessarily aged that well in, in that it is borderline unacceptable. Oh, uh, I in, use in a, the word cancelable in my notes here. I completely agree. That's right. the mark against it. Is, yeah. uh, it doesn't work for everyone. But, but does, does he cross that line... In a in a grave way, not really. I don't think. And and the the passion and like you said, the transparency and the the vulnerability that he was willing to put out there, and the humanity of the lyrics is in, of every song basically. There's no competition, no competition. It's 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 Pinkerton all day. Yeah, uh, same. You know, for sure. On on most every front. Maybe the one lyric that does offend me is is we kind of referenced it earlier in passing, but the butterfly lyric where if I'm a dog, then you're a bitch. bitch. To oh, me, yeah. it's just like, well, that's just mean. I know. He was almost there. It, it, yeah. He but also it's logical. But it, dog bitch, like Exactly. No, I think I think it works. It's smart and offensive. And mm-hmm. and okay, you know, I don't know if it's more smart or more offensive. Probably more offensive than smart. <laughs> but I still it, it's effective as hell. Yeah. I mean, there's there's plenty of people who who say you know shit like that and it's like if if she broke his heart and and this is how he feels then so be it you know he's allowed to say how he feels about other people well that's funny because it's like that's a song about him kind of messing up a romantic situation right so then right a very delicate thing Mm -hmm. be it the woman or something or just the romance itself so that's probably one of the few moments where it's like yeah that's that's whiny and that's placing the blame elsewhere Right, but he accepts the blame in the rest of the song. Think of the last three lines is, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah, so. So it's just, it's walking a fine line there. That's why it doesn't necessarily hold together. Like, Butterfly is one of my all-time favorite, like, achievements in a studio. I just love the spirit of that recording and the song itself. I love the melody. I love his delivery. That's just the one line that I go like, ah, God, if not for that line, I'd cover that song. Mm -hmm. Like, myself, frequently. You could change it. You could be like, if you're a dog, then or if I'm a dog, then you're a snitch. Wow. You know? Then that's good e- stuff. Either Harry Potter fans or people who rat to the police, either one. Interchangeable. Oh yeah. man, that's good stuff. Yeah, so think about that. Oh, not not now. No, no, no. Oh, sorry. <laughs> let's keep recording the show. Okay, yeah, sorry. Uh let's see. Let's let's take a look at the notes here. Any lyrics you want to kind of just talk about for me, the record? Oh, I mean, I have a laundry list here. Um <laughs> Also, who needs a list for laundry? <laughs> well, you need to wash the shirts. You need to wash the pants. The unders. The unders, the overs, the bases. <laughs> Everything in between. The windbreakers. The whites. Yeah. Do you separate your colors? No. Yeah, right? Who? I remember my mom teaching me that. It's like, I'm probably never going to do this, am I? I wash everything in cold anyway. That's me too. Yeah. yeah. Save that money. Anyway. <laughs> no shrinkage. No, I, I never, never. I don't have a dryer either. But um I, I gotta say some some of the standout are the verses of, of no other one in terms of just <sighs> pure uh, emotion and like I am trapped in this and I can't do anything about it because Man. I fear loneliness. And like literally every verse of that song 
first one. My girl's a liar, but I stand beside her because she's all I've got and I don't want to be alone. Nothing complex, nothing crazy, no metaphors, just boom. I don't want to be alone. Dark. Yeah. Honesty. Exactly. Next verse. All of the drugs she does scare me real good. She's got a tattoo and two pet snakes. Nobody knows me like her. Nobody knows her like me. We're all we've got and we don't want to be alone. So now it's both of us, right? So it's growing and, it, and the emotional impact is getting larger and larger. So you see a small spotlight of just how he feels and then it's like, no, we both don't really jive with each other, but we're both scared of loneliness. It's absolutely one of his best lyrics. Right, and they're song. not complex. They're not, no. you know what I mean? It's just... No, and even they're colloquial. All the drugs she does scare me real good. Uh, that's a, that another is... example of, of using a tongue-in-cheek way yeah. of just being like, no one talks like this. No, but people... Here's the thing. No one writes like that, but people talk like that. Mm. You know, maybe not people in rural Connecticut. Well, actually, you know what? Probably. Yeah. You know what I realized, by the way, since the last time we recorded a show? Because I never thought to look on a map. Whatever the town that Rivers grew up in in Connecticut, mm -hmm. I was like, let me see where that is. Because I live in Rhode Island. We live in Rhode Island. I grew up in Rhode Island. He grew up 40 minutes from where I grew up. Wow. Because I'm on the border of Connecticut in Coventry, Rhode Island. Right, right. Isn't that funny? Damn. Like, it, it never occurred to me that we were literally growing up in the same place at the same time. Yeah. Just I mean, he's like rural, 10 years older than I am, but... Rural Southeast Rural New, New England. England. Yeah. Isn't that funny? Wow. And I always thought of it, him being closer to New York or like New Haven or something, but no, right. he was Eastern Connecticut, basically on the border with Rhode Island. Huh. My, my town borders Connecticut. I don't know. I thought that was right. funny. That is really cool. I guess what I'm saying is like, we're, we're kind of like bras. Dude. <laughs> don't be a jabroni. <laughs> <laughs> that was a total jabroni move. Um, I, you know, and no other one is a great example, as is Tired of Sex, as we talked about. Great opening lines. Right. Right? Mm -hmm. A lot of these songs just have wonderful opening lines. This is beginning to hurt. This is beginning to be serious. Boom. Okay, what? Let me, tell me. Yeah. You know? Um, I mean, yeah, and my girl's a liar, but I stand beside her. She's, it's, I mean, that's, that's the best stuff. More and more, the more I think about that song, both in this conversation and over the past couple of weeks, it may be a top five lyric for, for him of all time. Mm. The way that the meaning combines with the words, combines with the delivery, and just the aesthetic of the song, the whole thing. I mean, is it one of the best Weezer songs? No, but it may just be one of his best lyrics. Yes. Yeah, he was on another level. Yeah. There's also silly ones, though. When I look in the mirror, I can't believe what I see. Tell me who's that funky dude staring back at me. Now, that's fun as hell, yeah. but that's goofy. Goddamn, you half-Japanese girls. Do it to me every time, of course. And Why Bother is probably the worst, just like poetically on the record mm. as far as opening, and maybe just generally. But I know I should get next to you. You've got a look that makes me think you're cool. That is like seventh grade lyricism right there. Totally appropriate for the song. Totally appropriate for the sentiment. Bad words. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Still a heart song. I mean, I don't care. I'm just saying like on the page, you go like, well, that's nowhere near as good as these other nine songs. Totally, totally. Holy cow, I think I've got one here. It's kind of silly. Holy cow is a little... Like, I much prefer holy sweet goddamn from later in the song than holy cow. Right, but I think they're, they're different. Holy sweet goddamn is just like, oh my God, I can't even handle it. Whereas the holy cow is a little bit more tongue-in-cheek in its, in its context. Let's do a little thought experiment, lyrically. Okay. It's safe to say, like, any song from Pinkerton, lyrically speaking, if you moved it onto blue, it would stand out as like, whoa, that song. Just as far as meaning, substance, um, nature of just the language. I, I mean, think it would stand out. Like any song on Pinkerton. From Pinkerton. I was going to say it would be any of them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, particularly Tired of Sex. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
what songs, if any, from Blue would have transferred over to Pinkerton, you know, assuming they were in the aesthetic of Pinkerton sonically? Mm, that's a, that is a fun question. Maybe Sweater Song. Oh, that's To be honest, because it is tongue-in-cheek and it is about social anxiety. Yeah. And it is a strangely uh, honest song mm. and vulnerable song. You know, it's not terribly different from El Scorcho, even though El Scorcho sure. is about a, re- a relationship, but I feel like those are kind of sister songs mm-hmm. in, their, in their respect to the records. Hmm. Other than that, oh, uh, uh, no one else. Interesting. Just a song about a relationship, about jealousy. Right. Yeah, because of theme. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I feel you. Yeah, maybe I thought about that the wrong way. I didn't think about that song. How were you thinking? I was about thinking about it? Say It Ain't So for emotion, okay. specificity. I gotcha. You know, clarity, kind of an exorcism of emotion. Yeah, I, I think Say It Ain't So is far and away the most emotional song. Yeah. So that's why I think lyrically that would fit in nicely. I think In the Garage because of the detail. Hmm. Because the picture he paints is not dissimilar to El Scorcho in the picture he paints of. <laughs> Going through someone's room and all that kind of stuff. Oh, like, talk about cancelable. Yeah, that's so creepy. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's exactly. <laughs> maybe don't do that. Yeah. Um, and then maybe only in dreams. Maybe. I mean, you know, it's a mm. song of yearning. Yeah, yeah. It's a song with uh, some vivid language. Sure. So then we have a, a, a decent bit of... A decent amount. Maybe like half the record. Yeah. But like Jonas would never fit. No. Oh, World Has Turned is maybe number one on that list. Mm. If you think about that, you know, I just made Love to Your Sweet Memory a thousand times in my head. Like, yeah. Oh, Just, actually, yes, absolutely. absolutely. I th- you said you loved it more than ever? Mm-hmm. I mean, phew. But maybe you didn't. <laughs> Turns out you didn't, or else you'd probably still be having it. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe, maybe more than we'd think. But I think any song on Pinkerton would stand out as maybe a lyrical highlight on Blue. Yes. It's, it's almost hard to distinguish because every sheet of the lyrics is yellow. <laughs> it's all highlighted. <laughs> yeah, right, right, exactly. It's all standout. Uh, and just to reiterate, I like the lyrics of Blue. Blue has won this category many times in the past yes. in, in battles. Because these are both great lyrical records. Yeah. Easy to do when you're going up against Anthony fucking Kiedis. Well, that guy's pretty smart. <laughs> Talk about a guy who should be tired of sex. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's why he wears the kilt so he can air it out. Oh, that makes sense. That makes <laughs> oh, yeah, sense. it does make sense, doesn't it? Plus, he's moving around on stage. You gotta <laughs> let the boys breathe. You gotta he's let him breathe. He's a sweaty man. Well, he goes from the sock to the kilt. Right. Do you think he wears a sock under the kilt? You would see it dangling. I, I was just thinking the same thing. Serious tubage mm. in every sense. Um, let's see what our listeners thought. I'm actually curious about this. I would assume Pinkerton will win for our listeners, but... It did win by a wide margin. Yes. Um, I pose this as the painful versus the painfully naive in mm. kind of the, the binary that I presented, uh, to which Sam Hale said, give me pain. And Richard Monham replied, in pain on Pinkerton. Yeah. He's British. I should not. Can you say in pain in, on Pinkerton in a British accent? Well, what kind of British are we talking? Posh or Cockney? Well, or? well you know, he, I know he went to the oh, Brixton in, Academy to see them. So oh, yes, wherever so that is. He's, oh, I'm in pain when I listen to Pinkerton. <laughs> As opposed <laughs> to somebody like, like him. Like Michael Caine would be like, every time I put on Pinkerton, I'm in pain. <laughs> <laughs> it hurts me. <laughs> I think he says that line in uh, Hannah and Her Sisters. Mm. Yes. I thought it was Batman Begins. <laughs> That's when Batman would have ended. <laughs> Chris Bruce, Nolan puts it Bruce, that way. Bruce, Bruce, have you heard El Scorcho yet? <laughs> <laughs> this is you so know what dumb. his favorite Weezer song would be? Lullaby for Wayne. Oh, shit. You know a stupid thing? 
Okay, ready? Say, in a British accent, oh. like a Cockney British accent, say, my cocaine. My cocaine. That was like, what just happened? I don't know happened? what that was. I can't do accents. But it's, it's Michael Caine. Oh. My cocaine. My cocaine. My cocaine. Yeah, because you don't do the, you go, Michael. Yeah, my, my. Yeah. He, sort of. Open your mouth. <laughs> and that got a little Australian, S. but it's okay. Yeah, you're good. At, you're really good at accents. Thanks, I admire bu- that. Thanks, buddy. Um, couple other listener stuff. Couple other listener stuff. We're Hit talking me. about words, and that's what I say. Hit me with it. Dylan Winthrop pointed out that blue has more diverse topics, but Pinkerton is more emotionally stirring. Yes, and that feels pretty. Yeah, pretty that's spot on. Agreed. More diverse topics, absolutely. Uh, while the paranoia's was a little more split, saying painful is much more engaging. But I like surfing too. <laughs> yeah, totally fair. Blue for for you know there's certainly emotional songs in Blue, but Blue really is a feel good record. Feel good. And Pinkerton ain't. Yeah, I think that there's we've pointed on the past, but there's more darkness on Blue than we think. It's just in such a colorful, you know, sunny sheen. Yeah, bright blue sky. Lastly, zebras and flowers. That's a good handle. I love that. Pinkerton's lyrics are TMI in the best way. Yes. Great way of putting it. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. I mean, we have smart listeners. And by the way, the only reason I'm saying like some listeners more than others is a lot of people would just say Pinkerton. You know, like so I'm going with the ones who were a little bit more, you know, uh, forthcoming in, wa- in the whys. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people responded who didn't necessarily say why. I got gotcha. you. But uh, thank you, everyone who responded. Absolutely. It really was, was uh, informative. So what are we at, Chris? I believe that would be four points now to two points. Yes. Wow. Who? Weezer. Be more specific. Oh, yeah, the second one, the, the, the Pinkerton one. Oh, the Pinkish Hue. Pinkish Hue. All right, let's move on. The Pinkish Hue is outlasting the blue. <laughs> <laughs> Little boy. Round four, vocals. From lyrics to vocals, Christopher. This is arguably the hardest. Oh, wow. I find either this or, or production and sound were the two hardest for me. Wow. Um, mainly because, okay, before we were comparing the same lyricist, but now we're comparing the same vocalist, right? But he does not sound the same in these two records at all. And let's, let's keep it short and sweet. I think that on Blue, he has a beautiful singing voice, great low range, great mid range, great high range. He has tons of, of vocal, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Dexterity. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, he's, he's very versatile and he sound, it sounds crisp, it sounds clean. He never like pitches out, his voice never cracks. He just, he sounds good with the exception of like the yelling and like say it ain't so. At but the it's very weirdly end. human, I will say that. Absolutely. It's a very exposed vocal. Yeah, no, yeah, there's no, there's no fakeness or, or no. artificial uh, t- a tinge to it, so to speak. Yeah, this isn't your like, Teal album, Rivers Cuomo. Sure. This is a, a more primitive singer, but also a much more pure and human right. singer. And, and it just a better, in my opinion, a better sounding singer. Yeah. Um, but there is an air of, of humanity and emotion in Pinkerton era Rivers that we did not hear before and will probably never hear again, to be honest. Um, I think that's absolutely 100% true. So, for the pure... Rawness, especially like tired of sex, the yeah. the screaming and yelling in tired of sex, the the humanity of the I'm sorry's at, at the end of of complete flip sides of the yeah. same exact coin. Exactly at the fr- so literally from the very beginning to the very end, you have this, like you said, dexterity of emotions yeah. uh, that go through in Pinkerton that is just pretty much unbeatable. But 
do I dislike either performance? Absolutely oh. not. Both these are Blue and Pinkerton are probably his two best vocal performances. Period. Mm. I he sounds great on White. He sounds yeah. gr- he sounds great on White, and like you said, he sounded good in Teal. But I think there was a lot of mixing, yeah. chicanery. Yeah. So, <laughs> Okay Human. I like his singing on that. He does record. sound good in Okay Human. Yeah. yeah. Considering it's, I mean, you're talking about a guy who's you know 20 25 years, years old. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's, still, he's he, pretty impressive. He really does sound. Takes care of himself. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, straight as an arrow. Yeah, straight edge. Yeah, Pinkerton for sure. All Pinkerton. Day. Yeah, all day. Okay. But uh, it was not an easy decision. Cool. You know, it was an easy decision for it was an easy decision for me, and it's Pinkerton for sure. Love them both. You talked about the passion. You talked about the exuberance, the emotion, the you know the power of his singing on Pinkerton. On top of everything, he's confident. He's just singing confident. Yeah. You know, and I'm not even talking about when he's just reaching for those emotional peaks, but even stuff like in Get You, the <laughs> he would never have done that on Blue. He never mm. really did it again, but he's just going for it. He's saying like, yeah, I'm a fuck, I'm a good singer. I'm yeah. going to sing like a good singer, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm going to emote like someone who means it. Why? Because I do, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not saying he doesn't mean the words on blue. He does. Yeah. They're just different topics, yeah. different themes. And I'm glad you brought up Get You because I think his, arguably his most raw performance on the record is in that song. At Me the, too. At the very end, the, the it's O-O's. beginning to hurt yeah. and, and the, the, the screams and wails and yeah. like, Yeah. That's his John Lennon Plastic Ono band primal scream therapy, uh, mm-hmm. evoking that passion, that energy, that that emotion. Yeah, and I mean, if we're talking about vocal performance, the backing vocals. Oh, on, we got to talk about them. The backing vocals on Pinkerton are just so much more human. And I think the harmonies in the backing vocals in Blue are also fantastic, incredible. Yeah, but it's mostly it's mostly harmonies, right? There's not a a, a huge amount of of call and response in Blue. Okay, call and response, true, right? Because Pinkerton. Really utilizes a lot of that. that a lot, especially in the last choruses. One of my favorite aspects of the record are the call and responses. Mm-hmm. No other one. Why bother? Which yep. is one of my favorites. Where yeah, the waterfall effect. Well, you know you, that. I th- yeah, that's in there. I think there's a waterfall effect in across the sea on the whys. Like, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Cascading, kind of piggybacking on the lead vocal. Yeah. No, the cool thing with Why Bother is when it goes into the final chorus, the backing vocals actually preempt the main vocal. So it's not a call and response, it's a response and call. Right? And so I think that's so clever. Yeah. 
And also the looseness, the arranging is precise. The singing and performance is loose and very in the moment. Yeah. That's the type of thing you can only achieve with three humans around one mic singing together. And that's how they recorded vocals on Pinkerton. Mm-hmm. That is most certainly not how they recorded them on Blue. Right. But that is how they did it on Pinkerton. And it shows because you had to be perfect and none of them were. And they left it. Yeah. But their intention was absolutely pure and perfect, meaning like, here's the part. Mm-hmm. The execution of it was left to the spontaneity of the moment and feeding off one another. Yeah. And that stuff, you can't approximate that. You can't fabricate that. Agreed. And I think you sing bigger when you're singing with others. Yes. Right? Yes. You just do. 100%. Another constant between both records? Falsettos. Mm-hmm. Matt Sharp falsettos. One of the great missing pieces of modern Weezer is that, yeah. right? I love Shriner and Bell's singer. You know, they still do great harmonies. The band is still very harmony centric. They're always doing interesting things vocally, but that falsetto aspect. Yeah, and a lot of speaking, just yeah. like talking. And yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> just vocalizing. Yeah, like what's the beginning of that song where he's like, "Check me." Yeah, yeah. That's at the beginning of uh, the good life. The good yeah. life. In, and the cool thing is the the falsetto vocal doublings, which of course most famously on "Say It Ain't So." For sure. Actually, that was one of the best things at that wedding. We were playing it, and we hadn't really rehearsed it much. Maybe we played it once, like a month before the wedding, and we were kind of faking through it. But Steve Johnson from our Maladroid episode, my dear friend, was playing bass in the band, and I start singing, and he's singing the falsetto above me. We did it in unison. The oh, verse wow. And I wasn't expecting it, and I just like looked over. I was like, yes. That's sick. I've never done it with that. You know? That's awesome. If, and it really added a lot. So nice job, Steve. I know Love. you're listening. Um, <laughs> It expands here, though, into vocalizing not just with River's lead singing, but also with some of the lead guitar work. There, uh, El Scorcho, of course. Yes. Playing off of Brian Bell's lead guitar solo in El Scorcho. So I love that that's a constant, but you see the evolution of the approach yeah. and the device on Pinkerton. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The one thing we don't really have on Pinkerton is what we have on Surfwax and Holiday, which is the vocal bridge. You take your car to work, I'll take my Right. It's kind of like, okay, that was that album, and now we're doing different things in this album. We're saving most of the interplay and the back and forth for those final choruses. Yeah. And for just harmonized lines for emphasis throughout. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely definitely got rid of those bridges. But um, And I love those bridges, so oh, maybe, yeah. that, maybe oh, I yeah. missed that, you know? Mm-hmm. But uh, one of the things I love the most about Blue is the vocal harmonies and the singing. And so it means a lot that Pinkerton takes my point here. Yeah, no kidding. I, I completely agree. Because, yeah. I mean, how many times has Blue won vocal performance? Oh, my God. Many times. Yeah. Uh, Sometimes inexplicably. Yeah, true. <laughs> Looking at you, Bono. Ayo. <laughs> that was a bad choice. I, I shouldn't have gone with Rivers there. It's fucking Bono. <laughs> He's fine. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, six to two. Let's just check in with our listeners real quick here. Landslide. 
for Pinkerton. Yeah. Uh, fun Everyone's on- so smart. They should host this show. What are we doing? Check out this name. Fun on a bun. <laughs> Went with Screaming in Pain Rivers. I'm so emo. Yeah. <laughs> and most everyone agreed with Mr. Bunn. The raw emotional rivers is pretty undeniable, though Edward Hopp uh, makes a more nuanced distinction. Performance-wise, blue. Emotion-wise, pink. Round five. Production and sound. This is arguably the hardest category. Production and sound. Yep. Absolutely. It feels like more of a binary than the others, though. Yes. In that it depends what your aesthetic is. Precisely. And it depends literally on the day what I want to listen mood. to. Yeah, yeah. It, it's the same reason as lyrics. It's the same reason as vocal performance. One is clean and precise and perfectly mixed, and the other is a little rough around the edges and raw and emotional and dirty. Yeah. Um, one is polished and one is unpolished. It's One is never mind, one is in utero. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's kind yeah. of the idea. Yeah, and I hate in utero, so. <laughs> so where's your point going? <sighs> I could literally... That's the thing that sucks. Can we do draws? We can't. Not in these. Uh, Art songs, yes. Skip fly, yes. Not this one. This one kills me. This one literally kills me because it's literally like whatever mood I'm in on a, on a day. What mood are you in today? The 24th of September. We're recording this live. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. Uh... <laughs> I'm going to go with blue. I, I knew you would end up there. I didn't I, think it'd be that hard it for re- you. I mean, I love, I really do love how both records sound. Cool. I do, but it's funny because like in my, in my headphones, like in my high quality headphones, I, they both sound really good. But in my car, Pinkerton kind of sounds like shit. And I don't know why, but, but Blue still sounds good. Yeah. So that, that part is kind of interesting. I've had friends complain like, what is this? It's, it's, it's too fuzzy. Like, it, it, it sounds It's certainly wrong. fuzzy, but I mean, that's the point. And, and that's the and that's the aesthetic, and I think that's what so many people love about it. But I guess like in terms of like a high quality, well mixed record, in terms of just like sonic quality and and a well done job in a studio, I think Blue is is superior in that way. Yeah. Um. But that is in no way to knock how Pinkerton sounds, and I love how Pinkerton sounds. Pinkerton wouldn't be Pinkerton without its sound. Yes, absolutely. You know? And I'm so glad they they decided to self produce and record it the way they recorded it. So this is literally just like toss of a coin yeah but i guess like trying to be as objective as possible and being like yes blue is almost a masterpiece in terms of like how good it sounds and how crisp and clean and everything so right and yet it doesn't always win this category in not fact, at all it often loses it yeah but somehow but it's because this sterility is such a, could be uh, an yeah. argument against it right yeah it is not fecund yeah <laughs> but i can't second your point because of course i'm going pinkerton yeah, I had a feeling. Pure naturalistic intensity will take it for me every time. Mm-hmm. Plus boldness. Yeah. Like, a lot of bands could make a record that sounds like Blue. It wouldn't have the songs, it wouldn't have the spirit, it wouldn't, but a lot of records sound like Blue. Sure. There's very few that sound like Pinkerton. Of course, they were emulating bands like the Flaming Lips and more indie stuff yeah. with a more bold approach. But you couple that with Rivers Cuomo songwriting and the three of them singing and Rivers Cuomo's guitar playing, and Pat Wilson's drumming, and you've got something that no one else can make, and that's Pinkerton. Yep. So credit, great engineers like Joe Barisi, Dave Fridman, who is the Flaming Lips producer, and uh, Jack Joseph Puig, who makes this record. And he's, he's just a legendary engineer, really, uh, really important engineer. It's, it's a fascinating-sounding album. Yeah. It's a bold-sounding album. The tones are just out of this world. Guitar tones, drum tones... Just some of my favorite sounds. Bass tones. The fuzz bass does sound really nice. Yep. 
Yeah. The they, only uh, shortcoming man, you're I think. Make me want to change my I know. Mind. Well, you can. No, I mean, that would no. make it eight to two Pinkerton. I know. That's. I want to keep blue in the fight. I know. <laughs> we'll, we'll do it. It's fine. Seven three. What do you think the listeners thought? Blue. Pink. Sixty-six mm. percent went to pink. Notice I'm only doing so percentages wait, when I can do it in my head. You said sixty-six percent, so there were three responses and two people like pink. <laughs> <laughs> did you did look at him? No, no, no. Just a guess. I have three comments here, though. <laughs> so I was fucking right. I'm good at maths. <laughs> um, we got another nuance to take from Edward Hop, who went with blue, saying he prefers refined with hints of raw, and I think that is what blue is. Yeah, great description. I think that we kind of overstate the slickness of blue. Because the guitars are slick and the drums are hemmed in and it's well balanced, but the voice is mixed pretty low. It's re- it's a relatively indie rock, radio ready record. Mm. There's still strains of the Pixies in this sound. Sure, you know it's not obviously not as stark as as Pinkerton, but it is not your. It doesn't sound like better than Ezra or like some other like radio ready alternative rock band from right. the era. That's funny. I have no idea who that is. Oh, that's funny. They do that song good. Wow, it was good living with you. Wow. Oh. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that song sucks. Oh, well, we'll see if Better Than Ezra Deluxe wins the Blue Album Battle when we tackle it. Who we the hell knows? Who the hell knows when that's going to be? <laughs> <laughs> never is what I do know. Never. Um, Dylan Winthrop says the tone of Pink Triangle's guitar solo is perfection, while the Paranoias uh, pointed out that Pat actually said it's expensive to sound like that. With regards to Pinkerton, like it's expensive to sound that shitty because <laughs> you hire really smart engineers who can achieve that kind of bold vision. Yeah. But it seems most of our listeners do, in fact, like it raw. Good for them. And good for Pinkerton and Blue in this case. Tie category 7 3, heading into round six. Round six riffs. No halftime for this one because we have Weezer versus Weezer. Oh, I actually did one. Oh my god! <laughs> Can you believe that? It. I actually forgot about it until I just hit record. Okay, so you you, you didn't come up with so one? what song from Pinkerton would sound good on Blue? No, no. What or, is it? Uh, what Weezer song? Oh, that's it. <laughs> I forgot what it was. It's been yeah, a long what time. what Weezer song of their catalog other than Blue <gasps> would fit in on this record? Okay, on Pinkerton. On Pinkerton in this case. Oh, I think I know what you went with. Can I say? Yeah. Slob? Fucking A, good job. <laughs> slob okay, off, slob off Maladroit. <laughs> you go slob off Maladroit. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I love slobbing off whatever I can get. <laughs> if I can see it, I'm going to slob it. <laughs> um, that's funny. Yeah. Yes, good call. I, for, I actually forgot. No worries. And, and for proper season two of Blue Album Battle, if and when that ever happens, I do have another idea for halftime that will relieve us of this thank god unique pain because i know you hate it i don't okay i i don't hate it i'm just bad at it right right right. well i want it to be fun yeah so i do have a new idea for halftime that i'll run by you and 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 we'll see because this isn't necessarily the start of season two folks it it it, it's a special episode of course um but we've got like 13 records on our list that we are excited to talk about yes and we have many classics that we can't wait to sprinkle in and we do have a game plan for Season two, when it happens. Yes, we do. Yeah, but I, we're busy. Oh so busy. Yeah. So many gigs, so many side hustles. Well, the trouble is I'm working as an editor now. So now I edit for a job and then I would have to edit the show. For and fun. And it's almost not fun. It, it's absolutely not fun. I, you know, unfortunately. And, I'm, you know, anyway, 
the summer is always busy for me with gigs and everything, but add to that, like, I just don't want to sit at my computer all goddamn day. Yeah. Let's wait till the winter when you don't want to be outside. Exactly. Anyway, we're in round six. That was a good halftime. Nicely yeah. done. Easy peasy. Riffs. Okay. This was a relatively easy one for me. So totally different mentalities again. Two very, very different records in the way they go about the riffs. So if I'm thinking like standout riffs in Pinkerton, solos of Pink Triangle and Tired of Sex are probably the two biggest standouts in terms of like some of River's greatest solos ever in terms of like emotion and raw energy. Tired of, what was the other one you said? Uh, Pink Triangle. Oh, Pink Triangle. Pink Triangle. What about Falling for You? That's another great solo. That is a good one. Yeah. I still think Tired of Sex is the best solo on the record. I agree. I agree. Well, Falling for You to me is a very close second. Yeah. That's why. And I, we don't, he doesn't have too many like pure solos, like, true. you know, a bridge with a guitar solo. It, it, there aren't very many. It's true. Um, and it's not really a riff heavy record, no. to be honest. Like, El Scorcho's a riff? Yes. Yeah, definitely. Pink um, Triangle intro's a riff? Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not many, though. Yeah, definitely. So I, I think I love the the emotion, and I love the solos when there are solos. I yeah. think they're some of his greatest work. But, I mean, how do you argue with the, the iconic blue uh, riffs of intro of My Name is Jonas? You can't. The, the intro of The World Has Turned and Left Me Here. Maybe you can, but I love it. The solo in Buddy Holly. You can't. Like the, you know, obviously. The intro and solo of Say It Ain't So. Yeah. Iconic. Yeah, I love that like a guitar strum is a riff, and it is. Yes. With Say It Ain't So, it is. You hit that hammer on on a C-sharp minor. Whoa, Say It Ain't So. Yep. It's like undeniable, and it's like So special, universal. so unique. That is. That's an uh, achievement. Yeah, exactly. And, and so iconic in nature. And then, in my opinion, one of the more underrated is the intro and chorus riff of Holiday. Yeah. Great uh, guitar playing, great melody. Mm-hmm. I was going to throw Surf Wax in there, like the intro, the but yeah. I mean, that's just a picked arpeggio. It's good, but it's not like as good as these that I just mentioned. So yeah. like, because of how iconic and how many riffs there are and so how big the hits are mm-hmm. because of the, the melodic riffage, whether it's vocal or guitar, and obviously we've had this argument whether a, a vocal riff is vocal performance and you know, right. musical, but it just everything I mentioned has is, is been uh, musical. Uh, and yeah, yeah. instrumented, so to speak. Instrumented. Instrumented. Yeah, I, I do have to give riffs to Blue. Yeah. Although, I would probably take the solo of Tired of Sex over any of these apart from the solo of Saint So. Yeah. Those would be the, the biggest matchup in terms of quality. I think I'm pretty well aligned with you there. Cool. Um, and I'm aligned with you in this category. I'm, I went with Blue as well. Hey, that's crazy. Is that my first point for Blue? I believe it is. That's funny. Yeah. I'm not terribly surprised. Yeah, I mean, you know, sometimes when you break it down, <laughs> you go like, I'm not sure this reflects how I feel, but it, it does reflect how I, what I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's two different things. Right. Um, for everything you said, I don't even have to reiterate it. I, I just completely agree with you. Man, when is the last time that has ever happened <laughs> where I just take a category and I say things and you're like, yeah, I got nothing. Yeah, <laughs> that's, you know, that's basically right. I, I will say an underrated riff from Pinkerton, not enough to tilt the category, but just that I, I take for granted, and I was so affected. I just loved so much this past week or two listening. Is the slide guitar from The Good Life?
slide guitar on Pinkerton, it's like a sneaky... Yeah, you know, it's do. like a sixth man. If it was a basketball team, that's the sixth man, that slide guitar when it comes in. Because mm-hmm. the couple times it does, it really works. Absolutely. But yeah, no, riffs for blue, absolutely. Listeners, what do you think? I bet they went with blue as well. Pink in basically a landslide. What? And I'm shocked. That's the most shocking result. Wh- how? What are, the, what are their uh, citations? Well, Dylan points out that blue is way catchier, but pink has the more unique riffs in the Weezer oeuvre. And you can't yeah. disagree with that. Unique Agreed. riffs, for sure. Uh, Zebras and Flowers, still love that name. Give some love to the little guitar noodles that permeate Pinkerton. Lots of noodles. Think of verse two of No Other One as a great example of that. I mm. love the clean guitar in that part. That's another part that's yeah. like, well, that's not a Weezer move. I love that. Because again, I don't like Weezer. Um, and uh, <laughs> let's see. While Pinkerton won riffs handily among our listeners, Boy Named Goon echoes my feelings exactly. This one was tough, but there's so many iconic riffs from Blue that I love dearly. And Dave called Blue an all-time riff record of its generation, and tough to argue with either of those. Yeah, definitely. Well, Blue's clawing back a little bit here. Seven to five, Pinkerton over Blue. Happy to see it. Let's see how the low end holds up as we enter the next round. Round seven, rhythm section. Chris, I'm curious. Was this a challenging category for you? Not in the slightest. Me neither. It's nice this, to have a gimme. This was the gimme. Yeah. Pinkerton, right? Absolutely. Okay, cool. Passion, intensity, humanity. Yeah. Imperfection, pleasing imperfection. Precisely. Oh, so much good imperfection. Yeah. Fire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Inventiveness. Yeah. You know? More um, adjectives. <laughs> Please give them to me. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just the best work I've ever heard from Matt Sharp and... Wilson! And better than ever, arguably. Yeah, arguably one of his greatest. Because add to the performance, the drum sound. Oh, it's man. great. Yeah, particularly. Oh my God, coming out of the solo of Why Bob. You had me at Oh my God, coming. <laughs> Um, another great example. Wilson's Phil coming into the second verse of The Good Life. His feel is... mm. Eagle-eared listeners will, of course, recognize that when we did our Pinkerton episode, we actually had an ill-fill alarm. (laughs) For that one? For for every great... Pat Wilson moment on Pinkerton. Every time I was like, oh, there's that ill fill. Yep. Let's hear it. Um, Blue Elm did not require an ill fill alarm. His drumming is great on Blue Elm. Absolutely. But there's nothing insanely stand out. At least in the, in the drumming. You know, some really nice subtle kick work, some great fills, some great punctuation. Again, Pat Wilson drums songs like a songwriter. Because Pat Wilson is a songwriter. Yes. And he's a great drummer, but the thing that makes him better than other great rock drummers, for me, is just he's always serving the song. He's always serving the melody, the lyric, the guitar. He plays like a jazz drummer. He he plays as though he's he's an improviser and he responds to the other musicians in the moment. Yeah, he has a really just keen sense of phrasing and he knows when the hell to not do a lot. Yes. The music of Pinkerton is so heightened and expressionistic that it requires more. And he does it. 
But then there's times, think of the verses of Across the Sea, it's just kick, snare, mm-hmm. kick, snare, kick, snare. By the end of the song, he's playing the best drums of his life. But mm. what a contrast within one song. Yeah. As far as like what he brings to the table. He's reading the room. He's reading uh, the room. He really is. Something maybe Rivers could learn. It may <laughs> be. Too from. And then on top of that, Matt Sharp. Amazing bass playing on this record. Yeah. Pl- plays with abandon. I mean, obviously tired of sex. We've talked about it a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Why bother? Some good stuff. Yes. Why bother has some great, great bass work. Um, the Good Life, that rubbery, loose stringed bass tone. And that's a sound that like you get from a particular human playing a particular bass or yeah. a particular amp recorded by a particular engineer. It is Matt Sharp with Joe Barisi or, or Dave Fridman, whoever was engineering those sessions. He is hitting those strings so hard. Yeah. And he, and he basically plays the entire record in, the, in that fuzz through the fuzz yeah. amp. And so that, There's a I lot think of fuzz. That, yeah. yeah. I think he, that's the, the rubberiness is what you, you praved. What's his name? Uh, Dave Amet? Or no. What the hell is the bassist player name from No Doubt? Oh, oh <laughs> Tony Dumont. Yeah, what I... Jeff Ament is maybe who you're thinking of from Pearl Jam? Oh, that's probably, yeah, that must have been. Anyway, yeah. Well, when he plays that 12-string fretless bass, though, he's got a real rubbery sound. Definitely, yeah. Yeah. But uh, like you said, Tony Dumont of of No Doubt. No, No, Tom Dumont, Tony Canal. Tony Canal is the bass player? Yeah. Tom Dumont's from fucking Blink-182. No, 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 no. Tom (laughs) this is so annoying to our listeners. Tom Dumont's the guitarist of No Doubt. Tom DeLonge is the guitarist of... Blink 182. Is that how you say it? Longe? Or is it DeLong? DeLong? I don't know. I've never said it. I don't loud. fucking listen is there to that. A, is there an E at the end of it? I don't know. <laughs> All right. Tom of the Longs. <laughs> Thomas of Family Long. <laughs> oh, no. I should have said of House. Of House Long. <laughs> house Long. <laughs> Jesus, we're idiots. Tony Canal. Yeah, what's, yeah. What's I, I just remember that was a huge thing you praised him for was his kind of loose rubberiness that but somehow holds it all together. Yeah. Much like a rubber band. Uh huh. That's yeah. right. It holds the band. Together, together through rubbery bands, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, so but Sharp plays great bass on that record, and he does not play great bass on Blue. He plays Average. adequate bass yep. on mm-hmm. Blue. Mm-hmm. So yeah, rhythm section all day for Wilson. You done it again, bruh. And uh, Sharp, you did it for once. You did it for once. <laughs> this was his last chance, so he went out with a bang, so to speak. What do you think, listeners? Thought. Hmm. I would assume Pinkerton. Landslide. Cool. Uh, Zebras and Flowers again. The low fly. Pr- low fly. Oh, that's me right now. Pretty low fly for a white guy. <laughs> we are imbeciles. The low fly production definitely helped, but on Pinkerton, Wilson's a lot looser and emotional and completely agree there. Sean, damn it. Pinkerton. And it's not even close. I agree with that. Yeah, pretty much. Cam Wayne Carlson appreciates how Wilson navigates the time changes on tracks like Falling For You. Mm-hmm. You know, you could add a couple to that mix, but just the way that he transitions from normal time to double time, if you think of the bridge of El Scorcho, goes to a punk rock feel, you yep. know, and then halftime feels as well. On top of all that, time signatures. Let's just talk Do for a second. Do we have many major time signature changes? Well, there's mostly 4-4 four, four on this record, but the outro of Get You is 7-4. You could think of it really? as a compound meter of four plus three, but when it's the this is beginning to hurt, right? It's one, two, three, four, one, two, three. This is beginning to hurt. Two, three. Wow. Yep. Never put Very that subtle. T- never put that together. It's so tuneful. Um, and then no other one's unique in the Weezer canon because it's a triple meter, but it's not six, eight. 
Mm. We associate Weezer with six eight. Suzanne Holiday, L.A. Girls. Some of their best songs are in that six eight, which is. Oh, my name is Jonas, which is one, two, three, four, five, six, one, two, three, four, five, six. Whereas no other one is one, two, three, one, two, three. More Think like of a where waltz. the snare is. Yeah. It's a waltz, not a triple meter. Not, yeah. you know, not that kind of compound six thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that stands out. They really don't do that much. So No, not at all. That's really cool stuff. Um, one other thing I'd like to point out about the drums, that these comments reminded me. On both records you actually get what amounts to a drum sound check. So if you ever want to A-B the tone, this relates as much to production and sound, of the drums of both of these records, tell me, does this sound better than this? I've never listened to those two side by side before. And I think that's exactly why every time someone says, so what are song, I think of El Scorcho. Mm -hmm. Almost every time, I have such a hard time coming up with a sweater song in my head because the El Scorcho riff right. comes in. Um, El Scorcho sounds better. The room, right? What? That's crazy. Rings like a motherfucker. That's pretty sick. That's how. Dr- By the way, for non-drummers out there who've never just sat at a drum set in a room, that's what drums sound like. <laughs> Most records do not represent that sound. Right. Do yeah. you hear just the low-end rumble? I know the rumble and the, the, how it fills the space. Like yes. the, the toms and the snare on, on uh, Sweater Song, just, they die. Yeah. It's flat. It's all close-miked. It's compressed. It's, you know, what we're hearing there on El Scorcho is just, it's compressed, certainly, but it's, it's allowing the sound to ring out. They're not rolling off a lot of the ugly low-end. Mm-hmm. That's natural. On top of all that, Sympathetic ring. Mm. You hit the snare, the other heads rattle. Like they're not gated in that case. Gated just means that if they're not being hit or not reaching a certain volume, they're just silent. They cut off, yeah. You could tell everything's ringing out because, again, that's what drums sound like. Mm. That's not what studio drums always sound like because a lot of engineers and producers and mixing engineers are really concerned with control. Understandably, I get it. I've been mixing like crazy lately some of my own music and... Yeah, I get down that path sometimes too. And then I go, I just lost the essence of this bass or this drum or whatever because I wanted to control it too much. Mm. But it's like, let the thing be what it is and get other things out of the way of what a drum wants to naturally sound like. Yeah. Or bass naturally wants to ring like in this key, whatever. And I think that's what they embraced on Pinkerton and no better example with regards to the drums at least than what we just heard. That's pretty fantastic that we have that. I know, isn't that cool? Love it. Anyway, Pinkerton, mm. Nine points. Double now. win. Yeah, we thought blue was coming back, but it's starting to look a little tough for them. A little it's, tough for the boys the, in blue. The Dolly, especially for you. It's the Dolly Parton score. Nine to five. Nine to five. Good one. Thanks. Round eight. Sequencing and arranging. Okay, if it was an option, you mentioned a tie earlier. Mm-hmm. This to me is the number one candidate to be a tie sequencing and arranging because there's a clear winner for me in both halves and they're not the same record really that is interesting yeah i would i would say that the arranging is pretty solidly in the favor of pinkerton for Um, me yes yeah no i agree with you Mm -hmm. i would agree with you i just think that like neither of the songs are terribly complex in their um song structure you know, most of them are just... On either f- record? Right, yeah. For, uh, I, I would disagree with that with regards to Pinkerton. You think there's a little bit more than the, the verse, chorus, verse, bridge, chorus? 
Well, I would say, okay, overall structure, right? A, B, A, B, C, B, B prime. Maybe outro, yeah. Um, with an intro maybe thrown in, whatever. But what happens within there? What happens within those elements, particularly in C, the bridges? Yes. There's so much more going on on Pinkerton. Agreed. Modulations, melodies, mm-hmm. dynamics. Yep. No, and that's why I think the arranging, like whether it's vocal you know, vocal hiccups and vocal uh, usage and call and response and waterfalls or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, I definitely agree with you that the arranging is significantly superior in Pinkerton. That being said, though, the sequencing of Blue is so much better. Uh, You think so much better? I do, because with the exception of Tired of Sex and Butterfly, with the exception of the bookends, the opening and closing track, I feel like you could more or less shuffle pinkerton and it would still work quite well mm. and i don't feel the same about blue right um i do think that most of the the beginnings and and middles of of a lot of the songs on pinkerton are are quite similar in their in their feel they're quite similar in their sort of tempos yeah um, granted there's changing within the song but like track to track there's a shape yeah, absolutely. There's the there's just this general feel where I feel that there's a little bit more variety w- uh, between songs, not necessarily mm-hmm. within songs, but between songs on Blue that gives you a better ebb and flow and and sequence. Yeah. Um yeah. so so in that regard I would give I would give sequencing to Blue and I would give arranging to Pinkerton. So here's the question. Where is the deficit greater? Right. Where is the different cuz that's what it's got to come down to and that's what it had to come down to for me as well is you just mentioned it, but is Blue that much better sequenced than Pinkerton? Or is Pinkerton that much better arranged than Blue? And that's really what it comes down to. Yeah, because I I, I love the arrangements on Blue. They're great arrangements. Yeah, so... It's not that they're not sophisticated. It's not that they're not thoughtful or detailed. They are. Absolutely. The degree of difficulty is lower on Blue because the actual underlying music is more simple. Right. There's less variety within key there's less variety of chord changes there's mm-hmm. you know what i mean there's just different names right here's my thing about by the way about pinkerton with regards to sequencing because we've talked endlessly about how blue is a perfectly sequenced record one two punch pretty fucking killer yeah on pinkerton. get you as a track two that's like a Vi- great track two i was just thinking about that Amazing. earlier today yeah add to that there's that wonderful pink triangle into falling for you crossfade that mm-hmm. happens, which shows a certain level of forethought that clearly they weren't exercising on blue. That's standalone track, standalone track. Great, colorful, kaleidoscopic. Yeah, there are, there are absolutely no fade-ins whatsoever. Right. But that crossfade, so the closing sequence of this record really works great. I would say Pink Triangle through Butterfly. You just go like, yeah, that feels like a complete segment of music. Yeah. In the middle, you could probably swap out this for that or that for this, and it wouldn't really matter. Mm-hmm. I think actually both albums have very similar shapes, by the way. You know, in the grand scheme of the Weezer sound, they're very similar shapes. Mm. But to me, the level of complexity, sophistication, and thoughtfulness in the arrangements on Pinkerton is a more dramatic advantage than Blue Album sequencing over Pinkerton sequencing because as I've just argued, Pinkerton sequencing is pretty great. It is quite Relative good. to other records, it's amazing. Yeah, it is very good. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Blue sequencing would probably be like an 8 out of 10, 9 out of 10. Yeah. And Pinkerton's would maybe be like a 6 or a 7. 
So right. like one or Still two points. Really good. Whereas the arranging on Pinkerton would be like, you know, an eight out of ten. And blues arranging would probably be maybe like a five. Oh, okay. Or a I six. would say higher. I mean it's yeah, like five or six. It's like so two close. so like two points. Yeah. But I would say Pinkerton's arranging is like a ten out of ten. Between mm. the vocals, the oh, instruments, wow. uh, the song shapes, the the harmonic sophistication and complexity, rhythmic sophistication, complexity and variety. Woo, I mean, just so much more going on there than the average alternative rock band or indie rock band of the time. Yes, for the time, yes. Yeah. So my point's going to Pinkerton there, but I wish I could go 0.5.5 because that's what it deserves. Yes, that is what it deserves. And I'm, I'm also with you. Wow. Yep. Like you said, it was the argument of the, the, the arranging being just that much better compared to just being a, a little bit bigger of a margin. It seems like we're changing the name of our show after this because Pinkerton has just officially won. It's 11 to 5. Oh, yeah, they can't even come back. Nope. Whoopsie. The only question now. This is part, by the way, this is part of the reason that I always intended this to be the final episode of the show ever. <laughs> um, and it won't be. Like, this isn't the final episode of the show. I'm just saying that was always my thought because the moment that we revealed Pinkerton was better than Blue, which I just assumed would happen, mm-hmm. it'd be like, why didn't you do the Pink, pink Album Battle? I, yeah. <sighs> which is but, a fair... But it's because this record... It's rec- not a template for great records. It's a very great record, but it's, it's sui generis, mm. right? Just like uh, Da Vinci. Ah. Doesn't he say that in Da Vinci? Sui, sui generis? Yeah. River says that. Oh, he in the song Da Vinci? Song. Yeah. I don't know. I don't I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't know that. Give me a break. That would have been amazing if you're like, yes, definitely, in verse three, line two. You know, <laughs> and then quoted it, yeah. <laughs> I don't think I could tell you a single line from that song. Oh, man. You could whistle it, though. Yeah, definitely. Um, do it. No, I'm just joking. Um, Not worth it. But, you know, elementally, I had a hunch it was going to go here. I think most people had a hunch. If you look at the listener response, it's been almost universally Pinkerton. Yeah. Speaking of listeners. Oh, yeah, sure. Do you think... In the sequencing and arranging? Yeah, probably. Close, though, for all the reasons we just discussed. In fact, there were several ties among our listeners mm. because it was like sequencing exactly what we just said, and they, they, didn't, they were like, what? I'm doing a tie. Fuck you. Um, <laughs> Tools with Tim, though, said they both have their place, and, and I think that's right You know, on both, uh, on both fronts. And Kay Mariachi, fine Italian name, as my grandmother would say, mm. Kay Mariachi, says, damn, both so good, but Pink takes it, and that's my exact response. Damn, both so good. But Pink takes it. Most who went with Pinkerton went there because of the sophisticated and ever-evolving arrangements in Across the Sea, Falling for You, No Other One, The Good Life. So we're all on the same page there. I knew that one would be close. That one kind of pained me. That was a top three difficult one. Agreed. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with you. Pinkerton wins, but, but we got two more rounds to discuss. Absolutely. Round nine, skippability factor. And thank God we can do ties here. Because yep. this isn't either one. We are in skip fa skippability factor. Mm-hmm. This is what track would you skip on either record? Our number for blue has always been zero. Yep. Almost a guaranteed win for blue so often. Yep. So in order to beat blue, you have to have a skip fa of zero and more tracks. Exactly. You can tie blue. And if it was like nine tracks, you'd still tie. I mean, it would, it would be unfair, right? We've never done an album with nine tracks, but no, it wouldn't be no, fair yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. It really wouldn't be fair. Because zero is zero. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Anyway, Pinkerton for me. No skips. It's fucking Pinkerton. Exactly. Christopher, what do you think? No skips. Nice. It's, it's a I was wondering. No, I, it, it, that's the thing, though. If I think about songs uh, that I would want to skip, probably Falling For You. Right. And 
on that level would also be in the garage. Okay, yeah. And so, and I still want to skip neither. Right, right. So, yeah. Skip Makes fob, sense. Skip fob zero for both, so we finally get a draw. Yeah. Finally get a tie. That's good. And as far as the listener response, this was tough for my dumb brain to quantify because everyone had different numbers, and I was like, well, okay, if the thing goes to blue, then does blue win? I was just too stupid this morning to figure it out. But I'll read some of the comments because I think it was interesting to see which songs popped up mm. because most of them did. Edward Hopp says, there's one song he doesn't respond to that much, and it's Get You, which I thought would be a popular choice. That was my black album selection for the right. Wee's Talking Wee's. And the thing with Get You is, it's amazing. I know. It's fucking killer. I, I think they played it at like the live iHeartRadio thing the day that Van Weezer came out. Really? Like, on that live stream on Facebook or something I saw. And, and I was people like, were probably just like, huh? what is this? <laughs> it was awesome. It was yeah. so great to see. They that's played awesome. it well, too. I think that's right. Yeah, I definitely saw it this summer. Um, Fun on a Bun finds in the garage a boar, but could also skip El Scorcho. Can't back that, but I know uh, what he means about uh, in the you're garage. Wrong. <laughs> uh, you're wrong. A phenomenon that popped up a lot in the responses is summed up well by uh, Sam Halis here. Blue is a product of its own success. The big songs are so familiar that sometimes you skip them. Case in point, Marco Schmarco says he's sometimes not in the mood to listen to Buddy Holly because he overplayed it so much when he first got into Weezer. M.M. Mm. M. Hall or M. Hall says he always skips Undone, followed by a scared face emoji. <laughs> kind of like, oh, I'm sorry, but I always skip Undone. Yeah, but yeah, I yeah. get it. You know, you hear it enough and it's a long song and yeah, yeah. you know where it's going. And, but I, I will say this uh, to M. Hall. Give it another listen and really let that ending wash over you because it's worth it to get there. Yeah. Also, it's a, it's, a, it's a really fun song. It is a good song. <laughs> um, and while it wasn't a hit, Sean Dammit says, it sounds sacrilegious, but I don't often want to hear Only in Dreams. I feel you, bro. Well, let's hear <laughs> how Only in Dreams fares against Butterfly in our final round. Round 10, closing track. Well, Pinkerton has double the score of Blue <laughs> at 12 to 6. It's twice as good, bro. Twice as good. So two Jabroni. Po- <laughs> It's making blue look like a jabroni. Oh, and that is just sacrilegious. Talk about sacrilegious. Yeah. Hard word to say. Hard word to say. Great word to use. Um, yeah, this one is a, is a, two more points up for grabs, but I, I'm i curious Yeah, for you. I don't know where this is going to go. I, I know firmly where I stand. And I have a pretty good feeling I know where you do as well, but I want to hear your, your take first because your explanation is probably going to be longer than mine. Yeah, uh, this was probably the second hardest one to decide. Mm. I thought most of them were easier than I maybe even hoped they would be. (laughs) I thought that Blue would put up more of a fight for me, but it's so weird. It's a weird show. I love Blue album. I know. Anyway, uh, when it comes to closing track, it's safe to say I personally like Butterfly better as a song. Mm -hmm. I adore River's stark and vulnerable vocal delivery. I, I love the lyrics, that one line accepted. I love the sound. I mean, I just love the late night vibe. And I think it was recorded in the last day. It was like 2 a.m. or something. Right, right. Carl Cook on a bass drum, you know, with a mallet and, and Rivers Cuomo doing it live. And it shows. And it yeah. has a feeling that is rarely conjured in the studio. On And rarely conjured by this band. Yeah. Ever. Yeah, exactly. There's no other song that sounds like this in their entire repertoire. Exactly. And I love it as a closer. The thing is... it. This meets the same requirement as Only in Dreams, which is it could only close the record. Right. It could only, it would not work as track five. No way. No it, way. It's just, it's got to be the last track. That was pretty much going to be my question. Like, so it's, you like it better as a song, but is it a better closer? Right. And it's a great closer. 
it's nowhere near as great as Only in Dreams in that role. For yes. me. Mm-hmm. It's not. I think it's a better song. It's not a better closer. So your point goes to Blue for Only in Dreams. My point goes to Blue. Wow. For Oid. <laughs> what? Only in Dreams. O-I-D. Oh. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> Does that make sense? It does. Is make, that where you thought I was going? Not at all. I, 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 no, it checks out. That checks out. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm with you. I'm giving my point to, to butterfly. <gasps> yes, indeed. Because, like you said, it could only function as a closer. There is no other place for it on the record. Is it a better closer than only in dreams? Hmm. That's the question. Oh, that's the uh, that's the only question. A little bit. Is it because you love both dogs and bitches? I love them both so much. They're kind of your thing. Yeah, I, I got them both back in my apartment right now. Painting. <laughs> God, she doesn't. Does Tita listen to the show anymore? No. Okay, good. Just checking. She's listened to it. She's listened to some battles because she's giving me grief about some uh, mm-hmm. some Portishead takes. I think. Sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> the only record that she would care to listen. <laughs> Okay, but you're sure. Butterfly for you and Only in Dreams for me? Is that really where we're going? That's where it's going. I'm Big Boy Blue. (laughs) You're Big Boy Blue. It's good to be here. And I'm Little Boy Pink. (laughs) (laughs) This is, yeah, I I think it really is just because I I think they both function very well as closers. They're just different. They could not be more different. They're different styles of closers. And I love both styles. Absolutely. I love the rein it in and take it down and leave you. I mean, hey. For everything I'm saying about Only in Dreams and, and being a great closer and the best closer of these two, I can't think of many better ways to end an album than three vulnerable and stark I'm sorry's. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. is the most powerful moment on Pinkerton and it's in the, the waning seconds of the album. Yeah. A very short album mm-hmm. that feels like a journey. Yes. All the same because of all that's packed into it and beautifully wrapped up by Butterfly. But the final four minutes of Only in Dreams is sublime. Uh, yes, I agree with you. Let me equate Only in Dreams though like this when I talk about the final four minutes. I think of Only in Dreams for me and this may be too harsh but as kind of like a concert you go to that's decently good, mm-hmm. but maybe and maybe it's like a little too long, and maybe your your like feet hurt, and maybe you're bored by like some of the tunes, and oh, this band's playing too many tunes off their new record or whatever, and then they come out and play the most ferocious and amazing encore, and you're walking out the door going, that show was incredible, mm. forgetting all about maybe those forty five minutes of the two hours where you're kind of like. We gonna, you want to skip out of here, beat the traffic? Sure. But then they come out and slay an encore, and you go, yeah. That's kind of like the last four minutes of Only in Dream, because the bulk of Only in Dream, I love the verses, I love the bass line. There's a lot I love about the song. I like the lyrics a lot. I never have loved the choruses of Only in Dreams. Maybe that's I sacrilegious. I completely agree with you. But that's the weak point. It's one of the weaker melodic aspects of the record, e- even though the lyrics are good and everything. Yeah, it's yeah. just melodically, the chord progression just doesn't really work for me. I love everything else about the song, but the thing that really elevates it is those final minutes of it. 
you're not wrong at all. It's I like think, a great I think that's closer. What, yeah. And it shades my affection for the rest of the song. The crescendo, the guitar work, the right. drumming. Which is funny because when we did the Blue Album Battle versus Odelay. I know. I, I went with Ramshackle. Ramshackle I? is such a similar song to, to Butterfly in, it, in its feel. Yeah. Just, you know, more or less stays quiet the whole time. And, and, and Yeah, it's funny because to me, I mean, in the grand scheme of life, I like Butterfly more than Ramshackle. I mean, I love them both. They're both songs that, that I would love, but that was probably a mistake. <laughs> yeah, you know? there, there have been multiple times where I've looked back on my notes. I'm like, what the hell is that? Yeah, that was ignorant. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was probably a mistake. I probably should have gone only in Dreams there. I think I was so... Uh, one of my big feelings about Ramshackle by Beck, um, and I have this about several songs, but rarely songs that we've ever talked about on the show, which is that resembles music I love more than most any song I've heard on the sh- that we've ever talked about on the show. Right. So that had to trump everything. I gotcha. Butterfly, similar. You mm-hmm. know, if you think of like a lot of the core of who I am musically, Neil Young, Leonard Cohen, Towns Van Zandt, Bob Dylan, who I'm on a big Bob Dylan kick right now, kind of revisiting his work and, and getting more into some of his modern work. Like that's the spirit of Butterfly. It's so home base for me. Yeah. The emotion and just the the aesthetic of it that I could have made the same argument. Maybe I'm just throwing blue a bone. I'm not sure. Maybe it's just because, I mean, I listened to both today. Uh, like the last things I listened to was both the closers because this was such a hard category. Good, good, good. It wasn't like this was an easy choice. But and I was like, man, I was just moved by only in dream. I just loved it so much. But then I heard the I'm sorry's and I was like, yeah, well, maybe that's the great encore know, like, <sighs> of that song. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It would be a tie if I could do it because they're, they're absolutely the perfect version of both options as a closer. Yeah, agreed. Agreed, agreed. So anyway, I'm just I'm just talking I'm just talking out loud. That's a good thing. It's the only way. Well, we are recording a podcast, so <laughs> I'm glad you're you're not talking to yourself in your head. Um what's the, what does that make the score, Christopher? You're much better at math than I. That's going to be final 13 to 7. Wow. Pinkerton wins. Here is your winner, Weezer. That's still relatively close. Yeah. In 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 terms of our, you know, our our scale and and the show. Yeah. Cuz we've had way worse. I think 13 to 7 is like a sweet spot for like two records we really respect. Yeah. Like it's not insulting. Right. When you get up to 15 five, I don't know if we ever had 15 5, but that you get is up above odd, 15. That is an odd number cuz Would that not happen? Oh, it could. Yeah. It, it certainly could. could. Yeah, okay. yeah, but it's, it's usually so it's almost always even typically because we tend to we very rarely split. Yeah. Or I guess that's not true. I guess we split pretty... I we split know. pretty commonly. I don't know. It, it, we've done everything. I mean, this is now our 21st battle, and I think we've covered a lot, a lot of ground and had a, almost every iteration of... Yeah, and I don't go back and re-listen to all the shows and know all the scores. You don't? No, sorry. That's, I sounded like Rachel there. I sounded like Engineer Rachel. Yeah, Engineer No, I really... No, <laughs> don't really listen to the show, Chris. <laughs> Eyes mostly closed. Um... What do you think about the listeners, speaking of listening? Of this category, that's a good question. I could almost see this being an even split, too. I know, right? Uh, probably Only in Dreams. 75%. Went with what? Only in Dreams. Okay. <laughs> you have me on pins and needles. That's a surprisingly huge margin. Yeah, you know what it is? Though? The, the, the is, ver- it, is it three out of four, though? <laughs> no, actually. <laughs> okay, cool. Six out of eight. Um, the variety of responses, though, is, uh, is quite fascinating. Uh, like the difference in the rationales. Mm. First off, 
couple of folks went with Only in Dreams, but pointed out that if Longtime Sunshine had closed Pinkerton, it would have been a closer contest on Closer. Ah. I don't agree with that. I love that song. I still think Only in Dreams because it's epic. I, it's not about quality of song sometimes. It's about what the song accomplishes in right. the role. And that's yeah. why Only in Dreams works so well. Totally. And that's why a song like released by Pearl Jam beat it because it's like, I don't know if it's a better song or worse song, but it's like, it achieves the same thing and it's more emotional and, eh, you know? Yeah. But again, that's that end of it. Then there's I Know by Fiona Apple, which is the <laughs> butterfly end of it, the ramshackle exactly, end of it. Exactly, exactly. Bring it down. I feel like so many albums finish that way. Yeah. Right? It's like, just, just play the quietest song at the end. Yeah, I think it's as much for the emotional weight of such a thing and mm-hmm. such a choice as it is... Well, it kind of kills the momentum as track six, you know? I, I think that that could be what it is. Like, you got to put it at the end so it doesn't interrupt the flow, mm-hmm. which I don't think that's the right way to think about it. And maybe that's not what people think about, but I could see someone thinking about that. Yes. In that way. We should just follow the bush. Ex-girlfriend, just put it on. Put on a meaningless put one on minute. Put on a stupid song. Yeah, same, song. same thing with Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah. That's right. They're red hot. They're red hot. Yeah. Bad song. Anyway, Dylan Winthrop declares, Only in Dreams is too beautiful to pass up, even though Butterfly closes things nicely. Can't agree more. Uh, Zebras and Flowers again says, The crescendo of dreams is pure magic. Cam Wayne Carlson describes dreams as the ultimate virgin soliloquy. What? <laughs> and the paranoias calls dreams God tier. Like T I E R. Exactly. Like, uh, like tier you, one imports. Could you see it the other way? Yeah, exactly. God is literally crying. Yeah, well, it is raining right now, and I think it's because only in dreams. Um, God, I can't believe Butterfly won for you. I'm still, I think we buried the lead there. Uh, Dave Brooks, he went with dreams by a couple miles and called it the easiest category of the bunch. I wish that were true for me. Uh, Yeah, agreed with you, Chrissy. Uh, Sam Halis comes down on the opposite side, saying dreams is the better song, but Butterfly is maybe the better closer. That's interesting. Oh, yeah, the the opposite of what we think. And lastly, I think the perfect encapsulation came from Marco Schmarco, who declared, Butterfly is devastating, but only in dreams is devastating and grandiose. Ah, and that's my feeling. Great. Good call, Schmarco. Good call, Schmarco. Senor Schmarco. <laughs> Schmarco. Spolo. <laughs> oh, that was even better than I thought it would be. Um, well, Christopher, we did it. Yeah. 13-7, Pinkerton wins. I am not terribly surprised. I'm not surprised either. So, am I disappointed? No. But here's the here's the best question of all, of all of them. Fully subjectively, which album do you like better? Here's the thing. Can I pose it like this? If 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 it was decreed that one of these albums was going to be destroyed for all time and you could never listen to it again, Ugh. which one would hurt me the most to lose? Blue. Yes. Right? Mhm. Without question. Yeah. But which one at this point in my life would I be more inclined to throw on? Pinkerton. At this point in my life. At this know? point. Okay, so either way, Pinkerton. No, no, the- no, no, no. I'm saying I could never lose Blue for my life. Blue is more important to me, but I like oh, Pinkerton better. Oh, I thought you meant the opposite. Okay, sorry. Okay. I, I thought you meant if, my I thought you meant if any if it were to be destroyed, Blue, you'd be okay having Blue be destroyed. No, 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 no. Ah, it was like interesting cuz I feel kind of the opposite. Interesting. Yeah, I feel like I can't lose Pinkerton. Wow. It's, it's too unique and special. Gotcha. Um, you know what I think this comes down to that is not shared between us is, again, I, <laughs> I think I got blue on my 11th birthday in 1994. That, me- that means a lot to me. Yeah. That has weight. When I see my CD of blue, it like, gives me feels. 
Yeah. Because I have so many memories of putting that CD in my CD mm-hmm. player and just living with it. We and had such different first records. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Truly. Truly. Yeah. I remember my first record that I got for my, it would have been eighth birthday. Ah. Uh-huh. The year was, oh, you know what? It was my seventh birthday. Whoa. Because it would have been 1999. Wow. Backstreet Boys Millennium. <laughs> <laughs> I listened to it because I got a I got a stereo I got a boombox and that CD whoa for my birthday whoa and I never had a boombox and oh I God. literally listened to that record so much that day that I gave myself a headache oh my God and basically I had to go to bed at like six p.m. Sure. because I got headphones and I was just like dancing and oh yeah anyway <laughs> Backstreet Boys Millennium you got a little boy boombox <laughs> little boy blue boombox <laughs> little boy boombox ah. <laughs> Well, on that note, thank you all for listening. Always. Thank you for joining us. We miss you guys. Yeah, we did. We miss doing this. We miss each other. I mean, I miss you. I know personally. Yeah. And, uh, and it's nice to have, it's nice to just pick this up and do it again. It's, I know. It felt a little like uh, doing a cover or something of a podcast. <laughs> sure. Because nine months is a long time not to do something. Definitely. You know? Yeah. Uh, you know, why do we both have to just work so much? It sucks. I hate being busy. Yeah. I like being busy with things like the podcast because it's pleasurable. Right. It's a lot of work sometimes, but it's really pleasurable work. And believe me, I have the easiest jobs in the world. I'm a music teacher. I'm a video editor. I, you know, like I gig. I play music for people and get yes, paid for it. wouldn't necessarily say that's easy. It's hard in its own way. But like if you told me that when I was 11 years old and getting this album and then you'll do this for a living, I'd be like, that's amazing. Sick. Sign me up. So yeah. I'm living the dream. But it just means that I have to just be a little more selective in my discretionary time spending and so i just have to uh, make sure that i you know leave the house sometimes but i do miss this i hope in the colder months we'll have some time to do shows we have some ideas about what to do on the wheeze talking wheeze show i yeah, think that do. could be a lot of fun mm-hmm. uh should we say what that is if you want to yeah give, th- a, give them a little taste yeah i think that maybe what we're gonna tackle in lieu of you know obviously we're expecting a bunch of records from weezer next year if they actually do all four seasons oh yeah that would be very cool but um we're probably going to tackle some thematic shows. Right. Some superlatives, so superlatives. to speak. Our but like episodic superlatives. Yes. Our favorite uh, bass parts ever. Top 10 guitar solos. Uh, kind of everything you can think of. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and I think that could lead to some interesting conversations and maybe make for slightly shorter episodes with just fun conversation about things we love about Weezer. A little more sure digestible, we'll do, yeah. Yeah, more digestible and more manageable for us time-wise. Certainly. Um, and I just think it could be fun. And I yeah. think that when we did that, like, our 10 least favorite Weezer songs, like, that was a really fun episode. Yes. You know? So, Plus, a, a Weezer shuffle never hurt anybody. Oh, and yeah. Th- and those, are, those are real easy. Yeah, those are fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, anytime we don't have to do homework or research, because believe it or not, folks, Blue Album Battle requires quite a bit of homework. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it's very analytical. Yeah. Well, um, they all got to play along for the first time. A lot of these people had never, and and I heard a lot of people say this is hard. Yeah. Like because it actually hurts. Absolutely. Especially when you have to choose. Yeah. Between things you love. Yeah. But again, in the grand scheme of of things, it's very easy and very fun, and we miss it, and we miss you all, and thank you all for listening, and thank you, Chris, for the fun. And uh, we can't really say what's coming up next on the Blue Album Battle, but no. let's just say a great record versus the Blue Album on the next. Blue Blue Album Album Battle. Battle. Bye.